Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and we're doing a podcast on a bit of a somber day today, uh, September 11th, 22 years ago today, uh, the tragic um, plane crashes uh, in New York City and around the U.S., uh, Everybody is um, having a moment of silence today, a lot of tributes around the world, one of the darkest days in North American history and and uh, something that uh, I, I will never forget. I'm sure most people alive will will never forget. Um, glad to bring Jason Cameron into the mix to do a weekend wrap up of sports as always. But uh, let's talk about September 11th. Uh, we did this podcast, I believe, a year ago and we talked about it and I think you told me you were out at UBC and uh you were walking uh through one of the buildings there and saw people uh chatting and uh yeah tell us your uh, your thoughts and your memories of when you heard of the events in New York City yeah so I I was at that time I was working at UBC and so I heard from one of my co-workers that uh uh, there's there's been an attack in the U.S. and I'm like, an attack? What are you talking about? He's like, ah, it's better if I just show you. So we jumped in our work truck. There's a bunch of us. We jumped in the work truck. We went down to um, the student union building where there's TVs there and stuff. So as I'm watching this happen, I'm like, in my head, I was I was completely confused because I'm like, is this real? Yeah. I kept thinking that. It couldn't possibly be real because it felt like it was more like a scene out of a freaking movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it just, it just, because like when you see a freaking commercial airliner crash into a building, well, that, that looks like a movie. That doesn't yeah. look like real life. That's right. Not, so yeah, it doesn't look real. Sure. Yeah. It was, it was completely shocking to me. Um, and then there was also that, that's that unknown fear that it can all of a sudden take hold, which is, is this just the start of something more? Yeah. 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 Because nobody knew that at that time. Yeah, nobody obviously knew what uh, what was happening, why, um, you know, just so many unknowns at the moment. Uh, one of the things that uh, always stood out for me is a couple of days later, um, I heard a report and uh, a child had been talking to his or her parents and saying that... Um, when they were watching it, they kept showing uh, it from different angles and they showed the two that uh, hit into the buildings and and they thought that it was just constantly building after building after building after building being uh, hit by these planes. And they, uh, they were just uh, like even more scared and freaked out that like every building in New York City was being attacked. And uh, I just remember so many people seeming uh different when you walk by them on the street everybody just was like wow the war has come over here you know we see a lot of images of war on the news and and in reports and stuff in other places but we had never really ever seen any big terrorist acts here by uh foreign entities and and it was just so like uh-oh, like, what are we in for, you know? And it just seemed like everybody was afraid. Everybody was scared of the uh, retribution. And uh, is this going to create a, a World War Three? Yeah, exactly. Like, people were 
on pins and needles, yeah. so to speak, because you just you didn't know where this was headed. You didn't know who the attackers were, really. No, you, we just didn't know anything. What we did know was that uh, the the twin towers were talking that day. Yeah, non-existent. So, well, they are having a game uh, in New York this evening. Uh, last night they had a game in New York, and it didn't make the New Yorkers feel very good as the Giants got just absolutely demolished by the Dallas Cowboys, but. Uh, there is a game tonight, uh, the New York Jets hosting the Buffalo Bills. Um, that, I, I, I'm, I'm re- I'm reminded of how sports seem to heal New York after 9-11. Uh, there was baseball games where the president came out and threw the first pitch. There were a football game where you saw uh, lots of firefighters and paramedics and first responders on the field, and there was quite the tribute lots of tears lots of like uh what are where are we gonna go from here but sports uh seem to bring everybody together and heal and help move things forward and and uh it's kind of poetic and poignant that uh there is a game there tonight and hopefully the jets can have a good performance and wipe out that new york uh travesty of last night but um yeah it's kind of uh smart uh for the nfl to have this game scheduled tonight yeah i know it's 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 incredibly smart by the league to do that tonight and obviously there's there's going to be some sort of ceremony tribute to all of that um but more importantly this is the debut of aaron Rodgers for the for the new york jets and he's he's got stiff competition right now right off the bat he gets to go up against the buffalo bills and I'm not necessarily calling for them to win this game, but he should have a very good showing of himself in this game. And the other thing that I'm looking forward to as well is that Jets defense because it's supposed to be vaunted and it's supposed to be one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what uh, Josh Allen can do against that defense. Yeah, it should be a, a really great battle. Uh, lots of talk about the Jets defense being uh, one of the most formidable we've seen in years. And, uh, yeah, we saw a really good defense last night with Dallas, uh, put up a shutout, uh, dominated uh, the Giants to no end. Uh, it wasn't even – it was like a, uh, you know, pro team playing a high school team. It was just an absolute beatdown. And that's uh, – Dallas has this, uh, you know, revamped, vaunted defense, and uh, the Jets are trying to show them that uh, they're as good or better. So I'm looking forward to the game. I'm glad we're doing this early so we can watch the entire game uh it'll be interesting to see how aaron Rodgers fares he's got uh, the defending uh rookie of the year offensive player garrett wilson there a lot of offensive weapons they've brought over and uh yeah it'll be interesting to see how they've put this together probably more optimism with the jets than there has been in many 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 years uh they have the longest playoff drought right now in in the nfl and and uh, yeah, they did a lot in the off season to try to stop that and turn this thing around. Yeah, yeah, they did. But uh, the biggest one, obviously, was being bringing over Rogers, who apparently, if I remember my stats correctly, is the first four thousand yard passer to come over to the team since Broadway Joe. Wow! Wow! Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. So it's been a while. It's yeah. been a while since they've had a quarterback of that caliber. Yeah, yeah, it's been over fifty years since they've 
<laughs> won the Super Bowl and uh, yeah, having a you know a legitimate uh, All Star uh, MVP type quarterback. Uh, yeah, it's been forever. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that game tonight. A uh, lot of great NFL to cover and uh, talk about this weekend. There was some great games, some not so good games. Uh, you know, I I hate the preseason because almost no guys that are starters play and you just don't really get a sense. And I feel like in those first couple games, guys are still trying to get up to game speed and, and there's a lot of sloppiness and uh, it's just not the true NFL football that we grow and love as the season wears on. Uh, did you feel like uh, it was one of those week ones where yeah, it was just okay football? Uh, I was happy it was back, but it wasn't, you know, the best football we've seen. Of course, no. It was by far and away it wasn't the best football we've seen. But here's the trade-off, right? You either play your guys in the preseason and risk them getting injured in a mean-nothing game, or you have them healthy for the season. Yeah. I myself, if I'm the GM, if I'm the head coach, I'd rather have my guys healthy and we'll figure it out from there. I'm good with that. Yeah. Well, a little later on, I'm going to go down a, the injury report and, uh, oh my God, there's a few guys that are gone for the season after week one, uh, partway through the game, got injured. JK Dobbins comes to mind as the biggest name, uh, goes out right away. Baltimore's lead running back. Boom. Uh, lots of guys hurt and, uh, some guys that gone for the year after week one. So, uh, it's a tough game, tough sport and, uh, yeah, injuries happen, but, uh, sloppy football, uh, amazing game between the Chargers and the Dolphins. Can't wait to break that down with you. Um, Chargers defense has still got to get better. Brandon Staley, what the hell are you doing? Uh, <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, my first uh, conversation with Brandon Staley today would be, can you freaking double team Tyreek Hill, please? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why, how are you not double and triple and team that guy? Did he let him uh, not catch 11 balls for 215 yards and a couple TDs. Uh, it was uh, not a good defensive display by the Chargers, but they've never really been known for their defense. But uh, that was another one that just irritated a long standing Chargers fan. Yeah. Yeah. It irritated me too, as well. But, the thing is, it's that's the great thing about Miami's uh, uh, passing offense because it's literally pick your poison. Yeah. You got Waddle and you got Hill. I would probably skew it more towards Hill, yeah, big time. but then that doesn't mean that Waddle won't go off too as well, right? Yeah. So it, 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 it it's a tough one, and especially with the fact that Chargers actually have one of the best safeties in the games with Derwin James, and even he was still handcuffed. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was tough, tough and brutal, and uh, yeah, can't wait to break it down. Like I said, um, there are two anniversaries today. I want to mention September 11th. Uh, one is a bit of a somber anniversary, as it is the one year anniversary of Elias Theodorou's passing from colon cancer. Um, he kept that diagnosis uh, private uh, to the outside world, and uh, the news of his passing. Uh, really shocked me and and a lot of others that followed him in the MMA world, a Canadian mixed martial artist that was in the UFC and and uh, really had a, an incredible life. And uh, I can't believe it's already a year. We did a podcast last year, um, the day after he passed away. And, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to um, make mention of him that it's been one year. He is missed by everyone. 
Yeah, he, he most certainly is. Uh, he contributed a lot to the MMA world, especially MMA in Canada, and uh, still sorely missed. Yeah. Uh, the other anniversary is uh, one of my favorite baseball players growing up, Charlie Hustle, Pete Rose. It's the 38th anniversary today where he broke Ty Cobb's hit record and got 4,192 hits and uh, became the all-time hit leader. Uh, just loved the way he played baseball, loved that he played for some of the teams that I cheered for growing up. And um, then he decided uh, that he would get into gambling, uh, ended up ruining his life, uh, got banned from baseball for life that still stands to this day. Um, he wears a little pin on his shirt. I think he has actually has embroidered shirts uh, called uh, Hit, they say Hit Gate on, on it. Uh, he's still bitter and angry about uh, his lifetime ban, but um 38 years i can't believe it's been that long and uh i really wish he would have never got into gambling and uh he would be revered and talked about and and remembered uh, very fondly by everyone that followed baseball he would have been and for some people he still is right but uh at the end of the day he kind of did this to himself yeah. he did this to himself i don't know if this band will ever be uh, forgiven or released or whatever, what have you. I don't know if that will ever happen. Like, and if it does, it will happen well after Pete Rose is no longer with us, and probably well after we're not here either. Yeah. If it ever does, if it um, ever does. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, tough. Uh, tough for a really great, uh, dedicated baseball man. But um, yeah, he did it to himself and. Uh, gambling is wrong uh you know when when the uh when it can affect your career like that uh come on uh calvin ridley we're going to talk some props about calvin ridley uh you know today but uh for the past year or so we've been you know having to talk about how stupid he was uh gambling on the nfl for little amounts of money compared to his salary and uh you know missing out on a whole season of his prime career um, you know, come on, kids, uh, learn from these examples. If you play professional sports or sports at a high level, uh, just stay away from gambling until you're retired. Uh, it's just not worth it whatsoever. And um, yeah, these are some very prime examples why, uh, you know, you shouldn't ever dabble in that if you're if you're at this level in professional sports. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's you put your career in jeopardy. And we've seen many examples of what happens when you when you go down this road. So it's just not worth it. It's not worth it at the end of the day. Um, have you watched the Pat McAfee show since it's been uh, shown locally? Uh, the ESPN debuted it uh, just the other day, and uh, today I think today was maybe the th I think it was the third um, podcast show that they're uh, showing on ESPN. Have you have you watched the the McAfee show since it's been shown locally uh, on ESPN? I have not seen it when it's been on ESPN. Like I, I still, I watch the Pat McAfee show, but I'm just watching clips off YouTube. Okay. I, I just thought maybe you guys had consulted in wardrobes uh, and uh, decided that uh, <laughs> he would wear the same shirt. He seems to always rock that same type of shirt you got on today. Yeah, no, no. I, I've noticed that. I don't know if you saw, uh, I saw it off Instagram. The Mannings were having auditions. 
to see who would be their next person. So that. they had Max B on there. It's hilarious. It's like, we're just going to tape some sleeves on you. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't know about this anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I know that those, uh, those commercials were just brilliant. So hilarious. Like I couldn't believe how many stars they had in to, uh, you know, do these auditions and uh, it was hilarious. But that one where they were trying to tape on the sleeves was just made me laugh for sure. No, no, that was great. But the best, the best part of that commercial was at the end where Brady's still waiting to go in for his audition. <laughs> they, just, yeah. they just didn't even guess bother. Yes, so this have to go back to football, he said at the end there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was so good. Um, well, speaking of wardrobes, um, you sent me a picture over the weekend uh, on Saturday night. You had a surprise birthday party that you attended and you were rocking a brand new sports jacket and tie that you just picked up uh man you look sharp uh were you getting rave reviews from everyone at the party the funny thing is like when i got that blazer i was i was thinking of when i'm going to actually have a chance to wear the damn thing right yeah. and i had an idea of what it would look like once i put it all together and i couldn't be happier with it and yes i got rave reviews right. i got a lot of rave reviews but the best thing about that uh, about that night was uh, for the lady in question, which was her surprise birthday party, which was my friend's older sister. She didn't see it coming. Um, there was some there's there were some tears of joy shed. It was it was fantastic to see. You know, like that that for me, those are the kind of memories that you want to have, you want to create for yourself because those are the memories that count. Yeah, yeah, we're. Um... We're not surprised enough in life, and uh, it's good when somebody takes the time and makes the effort to gather your friends and family together to uh, celebrate a big birthday or celebrate a big moment in your life. And uh, yeah, I mean, you guys are going to talk about that night for many years to come. I guess she had done it for her husband a couple of years before, you told me? Yes, yes. she And she got him good. Nice. Like, the look of shock that was on his face was... I can still remember it today. Nice. So I, I'm glad that they 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 have such a unique union that they're able to do that for each other because of the love that they share and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, it was just it was just a great night. It was a great night, and uh, the food was excellent. Oh, good. Uh, it it was so good. Like I I ate so much that I had to unbuckle the belt, <laughs> and, and then I was just like I. I now I know I'm getting old because I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna have to go for a little walk. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's uh, yeah, that's good. Well, you know the food's good if you uh, you need to unbuckle the belt and you got to go for a walk. Uh, I've had those many too many of those nights in my life, and uh, I know the feeling. So uh, yeah, good on you. You make me jealous. Uh, I, I'm sure I ate pretty good over the weekend, but probably not as good as that. Uh, so uh, I guess the next big question that uh, begs to be answered is, um, so you dress up that well. Every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man, according to ZZ Top. Uh, did you get any girls' phone numbers from uh, your, your night out uh, wearing a, a suit that you've never worn before? Here's the thing. When everybody you know gets to our age, they're usually like, you know, married, <laughs> children. Right. So, so I was fortunate enough that everybody that I was with was married. Okay. 
No, there was absolutely no chance of that happening. Oh, damn. What I did get was just the nice, like, you know, compliments of, oh, you look great and everything else. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you. And I looked around and I go, there was no single ladies here. <laughs> damn. Oh, crap. Uh, well, you should have you should have taken off somewhere and tried to uh, yeah, flaunt it off because I bet you we're going to be uh, looking about a year or two from now and you're going to wear that again. So it's going to yeah. be a while <laughs> before you have it's that chance again. Yeah, no, it, you're you're absolutely right. It's going to be a bit. It's going to be yeah. a bit. Well, uh, okay, you're out Saturday night. I'm home. I'm watching UFC 293 from uh, <clears throat> Sydney, Australia, and uh, you know the the card didn't look terrific on paper. Uh, you know they they flooded it with a lot of uh, people from that part of the world, some Aussies, lots of New Zealanders. Um, you know, trying to, you know attract the crowd uh, was a little tough, especially when Israel Adesanya was supposed to fight Drikas Duplessis, which would have probably been the perfect matchup. Uh, a lot of animosity between them. them. When Duplessis uh, begged out and said, no, I can't be ready in two months after my last war with Whitaker. I can't fight. Um, you're going to have to find somebody else. And they started shaking the trees, scouring the bushes. They started looking down the list of the ranking guys and, Izzy had either beat all of them once or twice. And uh, so they go down the list, down the list, down the list. And they come up with the name Sean Strickland. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that's, um, you know, he's he's born a fighter. He's grown up a fighter. He's, uh, you know, been part of the mix. But never a, a guy that we thought deserved the title shot. Not a guy that we ever consider being up in that type of level of that division, middleweight division. And uh, suddenly they go, okay, well, what about you, Sean? Uh, you feel like fighting? He's like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm a, uh, you know, I, you can replace me probably if uh, you find somebody better, but yeah, yeah, I could beat this guy. And uh, he was about one of the only guys that believed it. You and I on this podcast a week before a week ago, we're just like, oh, you know, this is a, this is a mismatch. This is a, a really, <laughs> Not not something that we were wanting to, you know, watch because it was just seemed like no chance. And then you said, imagine, just imagine yeah. <laughs> what, what, what's the world, what's the MMA, what's the USC going to do if this guy actually pulls off the win? And and I'm like, yeah, that would be hilarious, wouldn't it? Not even actually considering that this could be a possibility. And guess what? It happened. It yeah. happened. It it harkened me back to when George Foreman beat uh, Michael Moore, and that's what was said. Jim Lampley, when the punch was landed and he landed on the ground, George Foreman at forty five, something like that, was the the heavyweight champion of the world again, and he said it happened, and uh, so many things flooded into my brain, and uh, all of a sudden I thought this is a dark day. <laughs> in the history of this organization. And I can't believe Sean Strickland is the champion. And after you got a chance to watch it, what what came through your mind? What were you thinking? Well, first off, okay, so I, I got, I actually had a setup from a friend of mine because okay. apparently, apparently, this is rumor, Bill, but apparently Dana White and the UFC were very concerned about even giving Strickland the chance. Yeah. Because giving him the chance means giving him the chance to win. 
Sure. Yeah. We were very, very concerned with this. Izzy almost made a bark. No, not almost. He made a Barkley guarantee that he would take him out. Yeah. That is not what happened. Mm-hmm. I watched this fight. I was going to liken it like, um, like the Matt Sarah GSP. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of upset or Leon Edwards with Usman pulling out. But to be honest with you. It doesn't compare to those two. You want to know why? Because those two got KO'd. Right. This guy dominated, dominated. Izzy yeah. from the first round to the fifth round. Right. I have never seen anything like that, especially with massive underdog, I believe, like in Vegas. Um, um, Strickland was like a plus 450 or 460, as Izzy was a minus 675. Yeah. Yeah, I, so when you have it that big, odds makers had it. No yeah. way, no way, yeah, no well, way that's supposed to happen. And, it, and then it did. And I'm watching it and I go, You gotta be freaking kidding me because he has his Philly shell defense and and that's all and a jab and a straight, and that's all he really needed. And he was light on his uh lead leg to block kicks. Crazy, wow. yeah, it was it was a stunning. Shocking upset just blew my my mind. I was uh texting with Scott Holburn as the fight was just about to begin, and and he's like, you know, this is a mismatch. Uh, Izzy's got this. No way Strickland can win. And then bam, uh, he lands this punch, uh, you know, that all that drops Izzy in the first round. And immediately, I see my phone buzz. I don't look at it, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, what the hell just happened? Oh my god! And and he almost had him out of there early. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and you're right. Um, if it's a if it's a lucky punch, if it's a you know amazing KO shot, you yeah. know you're like, okay, that's the kind of chance you think a guy like this has at winning. But not yeah. a dominating round after round after round. After Izzy's in that much trouble in the first round, he goes into this corner. You think, okay, the corner's going to figure out what you know what just happened stay away from them for a little bit, but then, you know, use our game plan and tactics and we'll beat them three, four rounds. You know, yeah, you took that first round. It might've been a 10, eight, whatever, you know, let's win the next four rounds. But, um, you know, he just didn't have it. I, I just, I've never seen Adesanya look that bad. I've never seen him look that scared. I, I, I was just stunned at the way he was fighting. Uh, he ran so much. He didn't, assert any type of dominance was always on the back foot just took abuse and tried to land a few shots almost landing no head strikes whatsoever it was uh this it was weird and it was shocking i i just don't know what led to that terrible of a performance from adesanya and uh you know i do have to give strickland props uh he fought a perfect fight he really did he fought a perfect fight. He used a, his very strange way of defending and yeah. just constantly pressed the action. Whenever Izzy started to cover up, he started landing those shots and uh, just really had a great game plan that he stuck to. And, and and he deserves the win, unfortunately, but he deserved the win. No, he absolutely did. The thing that I was shocked at, he didn't even try to wrestle him. No, not once. Yeah, didn't, he, didn't try to shoot. Didn't like he just left that part of his game in the back. He's like, yeah. ah, you know what? I I don't even need this part. I don't need it. 
And which is the more shocking thing for me is that he didn't even use it. No. Didn't even want to because he didn't that, need it. That that blew, I think, everybody's mind where, yeah, he just he just said, No, I'm better and stand up here and I'm gonna continue going and going and going and going. So I'm I can't wait to break the UFC down in full. We're gonna do that at the end of this podcast today. Uh, I, I think uh, we're going to talk a little bit more of the weekend in sports. Then we're going to get into the NFL week one, which is really on the top of everybody's mind. Uh, UFC has a lot of storylines to break down and it's going to be fun, but uh, in the second half people. So uh, either keep tuning in or, or tune in at the second part of, of our podcast. If you're just a UFC guy. So um, the other uh, big story over the weekend was, uh, U.S. Open was finishing. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Novak Djokovic against Carlos Alcaraz, and they were going to end up meeting in the final, and they, we were going to finally get another opportunity to see the number one and number two in the world. And then in the semifinal, Daniil Medvedev, one of those cheating Russians, ends up uh, spoiling the party, and uh, he ends up uh, beating Alcaraz, getting into the final. Uh, um, Medvedev was able to actually beat um, Novak a few years ago in the U.S. Open final. And uh, so, you know, there was a lot of people that fully expected it to be a great match. But uh, um, it, it wasn't Alcaraz Novak, but Novak going for his 24th Grand Slam championship, tying him with Margaret Cord, the most ever by a man or a woman. And uh, he... He played amazing. It was a really, really fun match to watch. I uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, he's been in 10 U.S. Open finals. And guess how many going into yesterday he had won out of those 10? Eight. <laughs> I would have said the same thing. He was three and six in the finals going oh. into the 10th final of his career so shocking uh amazing that you know a guy with that much success that many grand slam victories been in there nine times heading into his 10th only three championships so uh you know a guy that had faced a lot of adversity had been there year after year but uh only three championships you know three is amazing but three out of nine uh qu quite a shocking number yeah, I, I wouldn't have expected that. I thought he would have won more of those for sure. Uh, the the stars came out yesterday in New York. Oh, my God. I'm going to just sort of list off uh, a bunch that I saw in the crowd. It was uh, unbelievable. Just New York was filled. I don't know what the tickets were going for, but I'm sure thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, I saw in the crowd Justin Timberlake, Leonardo DiCaprio, J Jerry Seinfeld. Christy Brinkley, Lynn Manuel Miranda, John Hamm, Molly Ringwald, Greta Gerwig, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, Emily Ratajkowski, and on and on and on and on and on. Just they just kept showing star after star after star after star, and uh, they were treated to a great match. It ended up a, a straight set match, but uh, the second set lasted like a hundred and a hundred and ten minutes or something. Uh, so it was a, a serious battle. Uh, it was really fun to watch. But Novak did win. He got his 24th uh, Grand Slam championship. 
He got his uh, uh, fourth U.S. Open and uh, retook uh, number one in the world. Uh, 390 weeks uh, at number one in his career. Uh, the greatest of all time. No disputing it now. He came into an era with R Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal who were dominating the hell out of the tennis world. And he's been able to surpass them in their era and uh, continues on at 36 years old, beating younger guys than him and uh, really just showing just incredible athleticism. Uh, it's amazingly these guys can play for three, four, five hours in a tennis match in front of 20,000 fans cheering every move you make. It's uh, it's very, very incredible to watch and uh, good on him. Congratulations to Novak. A huge victory. Massive victory. Uh, also, too, shows just like how his longevity upholds and his greatness upholds even at the tender age of 36. Yeah. Um, he, he's amazing. And he he doesn't have – he's not coming up on retiring anytime soon, is he? Or I, did would, he I would doubt it. No, I would really <laughs> doubt it. Um, you usually see guys only retire once they're, you know, they start fading. Once they're just, they're not uh, relevant as much anymore. Once, you know, they're not returning to their former glory and winning. That's the only time. Uh, he's, I think, far from finished. Yeah. So that means he's definitely going to smash the record. Like he's going to surpass it. Sure it now, like the it. only question is, by how much yeah he passed the record yeah well he won three out of four majors this year uh you know just amazing incredible and playing guys you know practically half his age it's uh it's miraculous this was his 14th hard court major title the most all time tied as i said with margaret court the australian with 24 grand slams all time serena williams finished with 23 Steffi Graf had 22, same as Rafael Nadal, and Roger Federer had 20. So uh, incredible elite list and and uh, something that's um, just uh, unbelievable that a guy can come from Serbia. Nobody knows tennis there until he starts really, you know, dominating and, uh, you know, has just come in and become the greatest of all time. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know where this record will stand by the time He's said and done, uh, you know, I think he has a realistic shot at 30 or 35. Uh, it's uh, going to push it to a point where who knows who will ever catch him. Uh, we talk about Tom Brady's records, but uh, his, these, this guy's records might never be broken. Well, especially I don't know if Novak and Tom have a relationship or a friendship. But if that if Tom gets in his ear, that means nobody's ever going to get those records. Because he's just like, keep playing until you know you crush their souls that nobody will ever be able to break any of your records do it like i did because nobody's ever going to catch me yeah, yeah tom, tom tom was there the other day they had a they had a hug they uh they chatted uh their friends the the two goats you know <laughs> you gotta have goats gotta be buddies you know they just yeah. gotta be buddies uh the guy that was in his his private box was uh matthew mcconaughey who was with his wife there they were he was sitting uh, right behind Novak's wife and family, and uh, I was surprised that <laughs> that McConaughey was was the special buddy that uh, he brought in. I think Tom was um, a little bit busy uh, getting honored at Foxborough, 
So, or else he might have uh, bumped McConaughey, and he might have not have had that seat. I think it's it's most certainly he wouldn't have had that seat. If Tom is there, it's like Matthew. You know, I love you, right? But you're not getting that seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got one. Uh, it's it's nosebleeds, but you know you you'll be here. You'll you'll at least be here. But uh, you know the, the the goat between you know it's just uh, there's there's levels. So <laughs> good luck. <It's> good. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was great. Uh, Coco Goff got to give uh, big props to her. She got her first Grand Slam championship. Uh, big victory on the women's side, and also on the women's side in doubles. Uh, Gabby Dombrowski, uh, D- Dombrowski from Canada, uh, won the uh, doubles championship, the women's doubles. Uh, first Canadian to ever do so. Uh, fantastic. Very big props to her. Uh, great to see her uh, get this huge victory. Uh, first ever female from Canada to hoist uh, the doubles championship at the U.S. Open. That's fantastic. Like, that's that's quite um the honor and the fact that she was the first to do it like that's hey our, our tennis game is coming up yeah and we're putting the world on notice uh, slowly but surely i'm sure speaking of tennis uh we're welcoming the greats of tennis here to our city uh september 22nd to 24th we've got the laver cup here in vancouver uh super excited to see the, uh, the the tennis here, it's at uh, Rogers Arena. Um, tickets have been uh, hard to find. Uh, gotta say, um, not sure, hundred percent that I'm going yet. Don't have tickets yet, but I'm trying my best to be there. Uh, it's Europe against the world. Uh, John McEnroe is the captain of the world side. Uh, Bjorn Borg, the captain of the team Europe side. Uh, incredible, incredible players that are on the uh, docket, and I'm I'm very excited about the uh, you know high level tennis that's coming here. Uh, it'll be great. We've got Felix Oje Aliasim representing Team World again. Uh, we've got just uh, some of the greatest tennis players in the world here, and uh, yeah, let's hope it's filled. Let's hope uh, it's great tennis, and uh, we get a lot of publicity. To our great city of Vancouver here. I'm sure it will be filled. And just the fact that, you know, the, all these great tennis players are coming here. Yeah. Yeah. The fans will be coming out in droves and uh, it's going to be a good night out whenever that is. Uh, okay. So the team world team, I'll list off here. Felix, as I said, Taylor Fritz, one of the great Americans, Francis Tiafo, Tommy Paul, also Americans, Ben Shelton, who made the semifinal of the U.S. Open. He's in it. And uh, Francisco Sarando and, and Tommy Paul. Um, great. Uh, John McEnroe and his brother are the uh, the coach, uh, or is it called the cat the captain and the vice captain. And uh, for Team Europe, we've got um, Bjorn Borg is the captain there. Thomas Engvitz is his vice captain. Casper uh, Ruud, St- Stefano Sissipas. Andre Rublev, Holger Rune, uh, Hubert Herketz, uh, Gail Monfils are the uh, guys on Team Europe. Uh, Team World won last year. Uh, I really love seeing Felix celebrate with his teammates, and uh, it was super fun tennis to watch. And, uh, yeah, uh, basically, come hell or high water, I'm going to be there. 
and uh, I'll I'll put some posts on Instagram as well as YouTube, and and uh, I'll give a bit of a report uh, uh, the podcast after. Hopefully, I'll have some good video too from there. Oh yeah, no, I I look forward to seeing that for sure. And uh, again, it's going to be a great night of tennis uh, for that night. The other big thing that happened over the weekend that was uh, Saturday night uh, into Sunday morning, uh, the FIBA World Cup of Basketball finally ended. And uh, we got a medal for the first time in our history. And uh, it came at the expense of the Americans. We won a bronze medal over the U.S. Uh, going into that game, in 22 games that we had played against them internationally at the senior level before, one victory for Canada, 21 <laughs> for the U.S. Uh, so not a lot of people uh, really picking Canada in this one, not thinking that we could pull off this upset. Uh, they won 127-118 in overtime. And uh, one of the most exciting, fun games I've ever watched. And uh, incredible to see these uh, good Canadian boys uh, pull off this huge upset, uh, stand on the podium, uh, Canada's best ever performance at a world championship. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was amazing that we were able to beat the U.S. finally and uh, get this. Uh, I'm sure you saw the highlights. Shade Gilgis-Alexander, Dylan Brooks both had phenomenal games, uh, great tournament as a whole, and uh, an amazing finish to a, a really really fun event yeah yeah like I, at first i was a little bit worried because from watching the highlight and seeing bridges make that desperation three at the end of the game oh. i think 0.2 seconds left and you're like okay so the u.s made a furious comeback now they forced it to overtime you're thinking i don't know i don't know it's not looking good they got but then dylan brooks has one of his best probably games he's ever had as a professional period. Yeah. Nine points, four rebounds, five assists. I think he went seven of eight from three. And he, he was incre absolutely incredible defense, incredible yeah. presence out there. Just, uh, yeah, I got this boys get on my back. I got this. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, as well as a lot of people have a lot of issues with Dylan Brooks's attitude and the way he conducts himself. But, uh, incredible step up performance in, uh, you know, the last game of the tournament, a way to, uh, you know, go out of there successful getting a bronze medal. And, uh, yeah, th this is the best game he's ever played in his life. I guarantee it. Oh yeah. Uh, how about this? The game, he played so well throughout the course of this tournament that it looks like the Houston Rockets actually did well in paying him what he, what they did. Yeah. 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 A lot of people were like, oh, what are, where are they going here? I thought they were going for young guys. Why are they trying to bring this guy in? He's He hasn't been, a, you know, an ideal to teammate. Uh, he pulled on Superman's cape and kind of blew up <laughs> Memphis's season. And, yeah. uh, you know, there was a lot of issues that people had with him. Uh, he, you know, he doesn't, uh, his, his energy is incredible and infectious, but it crosses the line a lot. And a lot of people have issues and problems with that. And you and I have had discussions on this podcast about, you know, his, his attitude and the way he conducts himself, but um, to get him, you know, to finally harness it in and play this well 
and bring Canada home a bronze. Uh, you know, I got to give him massive props. And, uh, you know, uh, am I happy he's Canadian? I guess so. Maybe I am. <laughs> Maybe he, he changed my mind. Uh, I wouldn't have bet on that uh, before this tournament, but um, yeah, uh, this was this was great to see, and and a guy that um, yeah rose his stock up in Houston's mind and probably the basketball world as a whole. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He just showed that this is the potential that I do have, yeah. right? And if he's able to channel that energy that he has in the right way, well, this is this is the result. This yeah. is the result. So winning basketball. You you mentioned uh, <laughs> you mentioned the three pointer that was hit at the uh, end by Mikhail Bridges. So U.S. is down by four. This is a scenario. If you haven't seen it, haven't seen the highlights. U.S. is down by four with four point six seconds left. Uh, Bridges gets fouled and sent to the line. So the commentators are like, "Okay, yeah, um, I think he's going to hit the first and then purposely miss the second. <laughs> hope they can get it out for a three and uh so he hits the first great everyone's looking around uh steve kerr's yelling at uh, you know what to do how to how to make this work they don't go to a timeout or anything uh all of a sudden they say i think he's actually going to try to make it wow that's weird i wonder why and then he went back he shot it he shot it on the right side of the hoop purposely missing it and runs over and grabs the ball, runs yep. up the three-point line, and launches a crazy three that hits. Ends up being point, what is it, point six seconds? It was like point four, point two, point, I thought. Yeah, like, well, maybe point four. Yeah, crazy. Like, at first it was point two, and then I think they might have added a couple of points to the clock, but you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. No, like, how could that have happened? They had just brought in Edie to try to uh, get the rebound. He's yeah. seven foot four and you're thinking, okay, you know, he's going to be able to block out. Uh, he ends up blocking out too far, leaves yeah. the uh, rebound open. Bridges obviously knows where it's going because he took the shot, grabs yeah. it, goes to the corner. Uh, RJ Barrett made a bit of a mistake, didn't cover him. And uh, boom, uh, it was into overtime. And then you're thinking, oh man, you know, this, this game is over. Canada outscores them 16 to seven in overtime and, and pulls out the win. Uh, the U S team, I don't know what happened, but they ran out of gas. They didn't have it in overtime after such an incredible comeback. Cause they were down quite a bit of this game. And uh, you saw Canada pull out the win. Um, the celebrations were around, but unfortunately, it was at a terrible time, you know, over here. Uh, yeah. I think the game started at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 a.m. Eastern. That's not great for either coast. Uh, it's not great for anybody in North America here. Hopefully, a lot of people PVR'd it and, and watched it and celebrated their, you know, on their own. But um, great uh, results, great tournament, really fun to see the basketball and the level that Canada's finally been able to reach. And, uh, you know, it starts making you think that, yeah, if we can get our full complement of guys, Jamal Murray, uh, Andrew Wiggins, we can see, you know, a few of the other guys from the NBA come across. Um, we could do so something in Paris in 2024. 
Uh, only 12 teams in that tournament compared to 32 in this one. But I think, um, yeah, Canada's suddenly emerging finally as a basketball powerhouse. And uh, great to see them get on that podium, get a bronze medal. Yeah, absolutely great. Great to see. First time they've ever done that. But did you see the response from the American side Like once this happened and the U.S. ended up in fourth? Yeah. All of a sudden now you see LeBron James beginning to recruit for the Olympics. <laughs> Draymond Green, Steph Curry saying, yeah. we're in. Then now you're like, oh, okay, so now the first team is like, okay, so I guess we're going to have to show up. <laughs> yeah. <beat the> <laughs> Yeah, my thoughts were, yeah, I, I kind of figured that that reaction would take place. Uh, you know, they were hoping that their second string guys could hoist the medal and uh, easily dispatch the rest of the world. But uh, when a lot of these guys ended up enjoying their summer instead of going over there for a couple of weeks and, and making this happen, uh, I, I can't believe the list of guys that he's recruiting and, and have said, yeah, yeah I want to play. Uh, you said LeBron and, and Draymond, but uh, yeah. I see Steph Curry, KD, AD, Lillard, Chris Paul, De, uh, Kyrie, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Jason Tatum. All these guys are supposedly in now. Uh, yeah. What the hell? Uh, yeah. It, it just took a, uh, a loss to finally get buy-in from the, the stars of the Americans. Well, yeah, because... They don't want to be embarrassed because apparently you're supposed to be the best at this sport. Kind of like the same for us when it comes to hockey. Right. We're the best at this, right? right? You right. guys, I don't even think they sent their second teamers. You guys sent your third or fourth string team and right. just assumed it would be good enough. Guess what? Not good enough. Not even close. Yeah. So now you're going to actually have to send a real team and then we'll see what's up. Crazy. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, we'll see how it all pans out. But uh, Paris 2024, Canada and the U.S. have made it uh, from Europe, Serbia and Germany, who ended up playing in the final. Big props to Germany and Dennis Schroeder, who led the way for them. Newest Raptor, who replaced Fred Van Vliet. Uh, amazing tournament from him. And, and they were able to uh, hoist the gold medal. Serbia got the silver. And uh, yeah, great tournaments from both of those guys. Uh, the African participant so far is South Sudan, who's never made the Olympics before. Uh, Japan is in from Asia, Australia from the Oceania group. And then we've got France will make it automatically because they are the host. And four other nations will have to go through qualifying uh, over the next year to um, make the Olympics and and uh, yeah, now suddenly the Olympics take on a, a whole new thing, getting to see Canada basketball there. And then maybe we'll get to see this dream team again uh, that we haven't sort of seen from the U.S. since uh, back in the day and uh, start, started in the 92 season, I believe it was, uh, wow. when the dream team was compiled and uh, rose basketball to, you know, heights that uh, nobody had seen back then. Uh, maybe we'll get to see, um, yeah, the, the absolute superpower that U.S. can be. And we'll get to see Canada at their full complement. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get to see all the top guys that should have been in this tournament, but uh, but weren't uh, as well. I hope so. I, I hope um, we have our full complement of players that we, that we potentially could have. I hope everybody is able to show up and nobody is injured yeah. uh, because – 
to be honest with you, we are going to need everyone if the U.S. is going to send their A squad down. Yeah. We're going to need all of those. Everything. Everyone. Oh, yeah. We would need everyone and and more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they got uh, a lot of old guys, uh, you know, are, are in there. But, you know, guys that are still super talented and, and top of the NBA. Uh, one uh, one mentioned uh, from locally here, uh, the hockey world. Uh, Quinn Hughes was named the 15th captain in the history of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, takes over at the ripe young age of 24 years old. Second youngest captain in the NHL. And only the first defenseman since... Um, uh, Doug Lister, 1990-91 season is the last time a defenseman was the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, taken over for Bo Horvat finally after he was um, dealt to the Islanders. And uh, yeah, great to see Quinn Hughes, the next generation. Uh, they finally said he's ready. And uh, lots of great willing candidates, but uh, Rick Tockett, the ownership group uh, decided this is the direction they wanted to go. Quinn, who's 15th captain in the 53-year history of the Vancouver Canucks franchise. Uh, I think that's a good direction for the Canucks to go in with uh, uh, their young guy, their best defenseman, and obviously a leader in the locker room. So I think that's a, that's a great choice by the team uh, and by management. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, good on them. Hopefully they can rise to some mediocrity at least and uh, make the playoffs and and uh, make the team relevant around here um, they've become kind of uh, you know this not very fun to watch uh, last few seasons and not making the playoffs uh, sure has hurt the bottom line as well as tickets and uh, interest and uh, yeah we would love to see them rise to prominence again and be a, a force so um, good luck Quinn and the rest of the Canucks franchise We'll see them uh, very soon. Uh, hockey season's around the corner, uh, coming at you in the next coming week. So, um, okay, one last note before we get into NFL. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays down to the stretch run into the last three weeks of the regular season. Only 19 games to go. Fresh off a great sweep over the weekend of the Kansas City Royals. Ter most terrible team in, the, in baseball, so they should have beat them. But uh, th today they start a, a very crucial three-game series against the Texas Rangers, who they're battling with uh, for a wild-card playoff spot. Uh, Texas is only a game and a half behind Toronto right now, so very crucial that Toronto at least wins a couple games in this series, hopefully sweeps them as well. Uh, Texas is in a free fall. They were leading the West Division for most of the season until the last three, four weeks, and uh, they went into a tailspin. Uh, hopefully they continue that against Toronto, and we can see Toronto keep elevating. Toronto did just pass Seattle in that wild card race. They're only half a game ahead of them, but they are in front. Be great to see locally here if both the Mariners and Blue Jays can make it again. Just let's not see them together uh, facing each off against each other. But um, the, the Jays are playing great right now. Great to see a lot of young guys coming up, energizing this team. The pitching's been phenomenal. The hitting's coming around. Bobachet finally came back from injured, injured list. And, and this team's fun to watch. Uh, I am very disappointed that these games aren't sold out. Uh, it's crazy to look into the stands and see a lot of empty seats. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on. That They should be packed there. This team is 
fun to watch and they're in a playoff pennant race here or not pennant race but playoff chase uh this the stadium should be filled out especially on the weekend uh Larray was pointing out hey what the hell's going on here there was tons of empty seats and it was pretty shocking um that uh the, the, the fans locally aren't just eating this up and filling the stadium you know what it, it's it, it's weird when it comes to baseball right because i think especially for Torontonians, they need to see results first before they commit to the team. And it's unfortunate because like the only team that they'll actually commit to, even if they don't see results is the Maple Leafs. Leafs, That's it. But, but the thing that's great though, is that they do have the potential. They're in this wild card race. They're doing great. They're potentially peaking right now. So yeah, it's the time right now is to jump on board and start seeing this awesome team play baseball and hopefully do some damage to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I sure hope so. Uh, you're right. Um, yeah, they are pretty fickle fans there. Get behind the, the Leafs no matter what, and then uh, only the Raptors and the Blue Jays if they have success. So, um, yeah, let's uh, you know, be better, Toronto. Come on, uh, support your team. If they were here, we'd be filled out. I guarantee it. Uh, we'd be sold out. So if you want to lend your team, Get rid of your team. We'll take it. We'll open arms. Uh, we'll fill the stadium and, uh, you know, prove that uh, a team can be uh, very highly coveted and no matter what. So, uh, you know, come on. Uh, okay. I'm looking uh, a little over an hour away from uh, Monday Night Football. Uh, New York Jets, Buffalo Bills uh, should be a hell of a game. Uh, this is you know, Buffalo is in New York State, but they're not really considered a New York team. So, um, you know, those New Yorkers that'll be in the crowd locally will be uh, supporting the Jets heavily tonight, especially after last night's absolute beatdown. 40 to nothing, Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> that was brutal. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, uh, two of the most elite quarterbacks in the NFL, battle it out. And uh, this should be um, an incredibly fun game. I hope on par with the, the Chargers-Dolphins game yesterday, which was the game of the day. That definitely was the game of the day. And that would be a great way to kick off Monday Night Football is if we had another game of that caliber, yeah. of that quality again. I hope so. I hope that's what we get to see. Uh, no DeMar Hamlin tonight, which uh, disappointed uh, quite a few people. But... Um, he is uh, what I've heard is fourth on the depth chart at safety. So he is on the inactive list tonight, uh, still recovering from his cardiac arrest that happened on January 2nd of this year. So um, yeah, he's uh, still in recovery mode. We were super happy. He uh, made the roster, but he's behind, uh, you know, some very big safeties, uh, Jordan Poyer and, Micah Hyde, uh, two of the top guys in the in the league. So, uh, you know, don't expect him to, you know, be out there immediately and getting tons of chances. He was on the field that night because Micah Hyde was hurt. So, um, you know, he, uh, you know, he's part of this team. Great that he's on the roster, but uh, he will not be active tonight. Uh, in a in a bit of a disappointing move, I guess. Yeah, it's a disappointing. Um... But you know what? There's still hope that he might still they might give him a couple plays uh, for the Buffalo Bills home opener when they start. 
to go home. So yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Um, somebody that's supposed to be getting a ton of uh, a workload tonight is Dalvin Cook, who was uh, kicked to the curb by the Minnesota Vikings. And, uh, you know, this is a running back that's been super elite, one of the best in, in the football for the last four or five seasons. And um, Brees Hall, unfortunately, is still banged up uh, from a preseason injury. And uh, I he will play, I understand, but uh, the bulk of the load will be going to Cook. And, uh, yeah, I think this is actually good for the Jets. Uh, Dalvin Cook is is still uh, an incredible player, and I think he'll have an impact tonight. I, 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 I believe he's still an incredible player. I think he's incredible enough that when we get to their game in Minnesota that they didn't win that game, probably could have used Dalvin Cook to win that game. They probably could have won that game if Dalvin yeah. Cook was still on the team. But, you know, they made their choice, and the Jets are better for it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I uh... – I think, uh, yeah, it's a great move on their part getting him, and um, yeah, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how it how it plays out tonight. Um, the uh, four time NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers, uh, much talked about. Oh, it was talked about to death this off season. Uh, he's over in New York. Uh, you talked about it early, but um, do you think? Uh, they because they have Aaron Rodgers now, they are a legitimate Super Bowl threat. I would say this I need to see Aaron play at least two weeks okay. because there, some, some would say there might have been a drop off of his play last year. Yeah. So, yeah. if if that drop off continues into this year, that's not good. No, yeah. <laughs> that's not good for the Jets. But I, I believe he was probably just tired of that certain situation because he seems very much rejuvenated being in a new place, with a new team, with welcoming teammates. Yeah. So I, I would reserve judgment until I see him play for this week and, and the next, see where he's actually at. But if he plays well or if he even plays close to his MVP caliber years, yeah, they yeah. should be – they're right up there. They're right up there. There's a uh, big interview tonight uh, about to be shown that John McEnroe had with him. Uh, They showed a clip on the weekend uh, of it. Uh, John McEnroe was my favorite tennis player growing up. So glad he's bringing the Labor Cup here. And uh, loved seeing him yesterday commentating on the Novak Djokovic 24th Grand Slam. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to the interview between them. Two uh, iconic New York guys and... And it'll be a fun interview. Don't miss it. Uh, record it, people. Uh, you know, get it, get it happening. Uh, find it online if if you if you didn't record it. But uh, that that should be a super fun interview between two uh, two really big legends and and two guys that uh, want to embrace New York big time. Yeah, two very much fierce competitors. One being more fierce than the other. One being a little bit more probably potty mouth than the other. So yeah, it should, should be. It should be a very interesting and very engaging interview. Yeah. Uh, we sure had a fun time doing the uh, the podcast last week with Barry Grant Jr. doing a um, an NFL preview. Uh, I, I loved it. We got so much great feedback, uh, tons of views, and uh, it was a really good way to kick off the NFL season. Did you have as much fun as I did? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most certainly I did. Um, it's always a pleasure to have Barry on. And to chop it up with him, talk football. Um, he's just a wealth of knowledge, and uh, he's got a different perspective than both of us. 
So it really adds to what we what we have to say. Yeah, no, I was glad to have him. It was nice. And he does add a lot. Um, if you haven't watched it, if you haven't listened to it, please do so. A great way to get a wealth of knowledge heading into the season. I know we're one week in, but uh, it's a 17 week season plus the playoffs and stuff. So, uh, yeah, do so. Uh, let's increase those views way up. Uh, we're very impressed with how many views we're getting, but uh, why not double it, triple it? Let's uh, let's go. So uh, tune it in. Uh, you will you will be happy you did because you'll be able to get so much knowledge about this season if you haven't uh, if you haven't got it already. And different perspectives, it's always good, like Jason said. So, uh, okay, I want to start off. Um, I want to go through the uh, every game, and I want to start in the NFC East like we have done uh, over the last few seasons. Uh, we'll kick off with the Philadelphia-New England game to begin with. Uh, in Foxborough, this was Tom Brady Day. Uh, Eagles came in uh, 10 and two in their season opener since 2010, the best record in the NFL. Uh, and Darius Slay kicked off the festivities in a very great fashion, picking off Mac Jones, running it back for a pick six, and sort of setting the tone of this game. Um, Philadelphia didn't have a, an offensive uh, explosion, probably their, I think it was their least amount of yardage since uh, early 2021, but um, just did enough to spoil Tom Brady's return to Foxborough and get the victory 25-20 over the Patriots. Uh, tell me your thoughts about this one. I thought it was a great game plan done by the Eagles. Like, I, I thought they just executed well, and obviously they got off to the great start with the pick six by uh, Darius Slay. Yeah. Um, Hertz did enough, didn't make any mistakes. 170 yards, one touchdown, 37 yards carrying. And you know what? They, it, was just, it was just a solid effort all around by the Eagles, yeah. defensively and offensively. Uh, Brown got his receiving yards, 79 yards. Devonta Smith... Um, seven receptions for 47 yards and a touchdown. They did great. They did great. And on although Jones did have a good showing of himself because he passed for 316 yards. Yeah, like he he did well. I I think for myself he did well enough that Belichick should have been pissed with him. You know, like he, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, they did lose, but it wasn't due to his shortcomings. Yeah. Well, I couldn't believe they, they gave him, you know, this much opportunity. Like, he threw, slung the ball 54 times. He threw the ball 54 times. Uh, three touchdowns, 316 yards. Uh, super impressive. Uh, unfortunately, just one errant throw that, uh, you know, really started it off tough for them. Uh, and then it came down to that fourth and 11 play uh, right as the clock was ticking down. Uh, Mac Jones hit Kayshawn Butte and uh, unfortunately his left foot uh, just hit the right. sideline, uh, yeah. right foot down, left foot on the sideline, uh, out of bounds play. They did a review. Uh, unfortunately, that was it for the Patriots, but I didn't expect this to be actually that close. And I didn't think the Patriots were going to rely on Mac Jones as much. I thought they'd be running the ball a lot. And uh, this you know, was different for uh, how I expected it to go. Uh, it was a lot closer than I expected. And and uh, Mac Jones, yeah, shouldn't be anybody's in anybody's doghouse. I, I think he played really quite well and and had a had a terrific game. Uh, this You can't put the blame on the loss on him. 
No, no, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, like uh, the, the receiver Bourne did almost did like a Jason Bourne where six receptions, 64 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, the Patriots, for the most part, I thought they looked pretty good. The Eagles just had their number on this particular night. But you know what? At least they got something to build upon for like the next upcoming weeks. Yeah. And, you know, now they're, they might be a tough out. Whatever team that they play, Patriots are always well coached. They're going to be a tough out. And then I believe this year they actually have a real offensive coordinator. They actually yeah. got a guy that's wow. actually called to play. That's going to help. That's yeah. going to help them. <laughs> yeah, I think there's 16 new offensive coordinators in the league this year uh, out of 32 teams. So half the teams got new offensive coordinators and the Patriots really needed one this year. So glad they went that direction. Um, Kendrick Bourne and Ramonde Stevenson both had 64 yards on six catches each. Uh, Zeke Elliott was uh, targeted uh, at least a dozen times, seven carries for 29 yards on the ground, five catches, only 14 yards through the air. Um, and I was surprised that Belichick went for it on fourth down four times in the game and were, was only successful on one occasion. Uh, that's not really... Uh, the way he approaches the game. But um, I guess being down early, trying to chase the game the whole time, uh, those four chances uh, he took. Uh, but, yeah, going for it four times, that's uh, not the Patriots' way typically. No, no, it's typically not. But seeing what the score was and the, the fact that he took all those chances, I guess in, in a certain sort of way kind of paid off because the game was still very close. Yeah. And uh, – Gave himself a chance. Tried to give the team a chance. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Philadelphia plays this coming Thursday against the Vikings. Uh, that day is uh, in my mind because it's my sister's birthday. So happy early birthday, Shelby. And uh, I'll be calling you the day before because uh, it'll be uh, Thursday when it's Wednesday here. So, um, but uh, yeah, that'll be great. Uh, good to see Philly back so quick. Uh, get to see the Vikings should be a, a shootout in that game. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. And the Patriots host the Dolphins. Uh, that's the uh, late window on Sunday, the Sunday nighter. So um, that'll be uh, fun to watch. Uh, better game than last night's Sunday nighter. Uh, Dallas and the Giants. We've we've talked about it a few times, but uh, let's just break it down officially. Um, let me see. I have I wrote something down here. Uh, Dallas was the first team since 2009 to score a touchdown on offense, defense, and special teams in the first half of an opener. Um, yeah, this was not close right from the get-go. Uh, Daniel Jones was running for his life the entire game in a torrential downpour. Uh, getting turf all over him. I don't know what the hell Dayball was doing. Kept marching him out there, even when it's 26 nothing, 33 nothing, 40 nothing. He's still playing. Um, this was brutal. I'm surprised that he's not hurt. Uh, he had 12 pressures, seven sacks, hurries, couple picks, <laughs> just brutal. That offensive line should be all on the unemployment line today. That was a brutal beatdown uh and and Dallas uh looked phenomenal didn't even really need to you know showcase all their weapons 
just was able to just dominate. It was a one-sided affair here. Oh, it was absolutely a one-sided affair. Um, the Cowboys controlled this game from start to finish. The Giants were never in it. The Giants knew that they actually had some issues at offensive line. Well, those issues are now very much glaring issues at <laughs> offensive line. They yeah. didn't stand a chance. I know that the Cowboys have a fantastic front seven, yeah. but they just, they utterly smashed and dominated the Giants. And I felt bad for Daniel Jones because he's like, well, what do you want me to do when I'm running for my life? <laughs> like on every freaking play. Like, like it was almost as if, you know what? We might as well just have you just run. Like I'm a running back because <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have time to pass the ball because yeah. it's, because these guys are just coming in at me. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, a little pass, a little dump pass to Saquon. You think he's out in space. Bam. He just gets blown up. Uh, balls loose. Boom. Dallas's ball. Uh, yeah. Last year, opening game, Cooper Rush ended up playing. And everybody was like, Cooper Rush. Oh, no. Dallas is dead. Cooper <laughs> Rush ended up 4-1 and one last year. Dak Prescott broke his thumb opening game. Cooper Rush made an appearance again. In game one this season, but it was because it was such a blowout. No need to run March Dak out there anymore. He had done him very much enough. Cooper Rush gets his opportunity two years in a row, uh, this time in much better circumstances. And and the, the Cowboys faithful have to feel pretty damn excited and happy over this uh, performance. Uh, not get ahead of themselves, but... Uh, they made Stephen A. pretty upset today. Uh, they made uh, Shannon Sharp upset. A lot of Cowboy haters out there. A lot of people love the Cowboys, but as many people hate them probably. And uh, But this was, um, yeah, not even close. Dak Prescott is something. I wrote it down somewhere, but I don't think I have it right in front of me. Um, is he? Um, maybe he's like 11. and I think he's won his last 11 games against the Giants. So, um, yeah, he <laughs> loves playing the Giants. So do the Cowboys. And uh, this was, um, yeah, this was just uh, not even close. Uh, pretty tough Sunday nighter. I bet you the uh, the viewership was down quite significantly uh, as this game wore on. Yeah, it was down quite significantly because even I was just like, as I'm watching the game, I go, it looks like the Giants are done. There's no way that they're coming back from this. Yeah. If I if I'm the head coach Dayball, I just be like, all right, guys, we're just gonna move on to the next week. I would try to take something positive away from this game, but there is nothing that I can take away that was positive. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just gonna move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay, let's turn to the uh last team in the NFC East, the Washington Commanders. Uh this was the defense that I chose in my fantasy football over the weekend because Arizona Cardinals are supposed to be the worst team in football. They're tanking, uh, supposedly trying to get the first overall draft pick. And uh, Barry Grant Jr. on this podcast one week ago predicted a winless season for Arizona. And lo and behold, at some at a couple points in this game, Arizona was leading. They were winning this game. And I'm like, oh my God, could they uh pull out a victory in week one and ruin Barry's prediction and and many others uh pundits' ideas of what was gonna happen? But 
Uh, no, they blew it. Uh, they allowed 10, the Washington Commanders to score 10 points in the first, fourth quarter, and they scored none. Uh, Commanders got a victory. Uh, not a pretty one, but uh, they got the win nonetheless. Uh, Sam Howell looked okay, a couple hundred yards, a touchdown. Uh, Brian Robinson uh, led the backfield. Curtis Samuel was top receiver. Um, serviceable win, but uh, you don't, you, you can't be that excited over this victory if you're Commanders fan. Good to get a victory, but should have been better. Should have been better. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you on that. Um, the Cardinals, I guess, to their credit, kept it close. Yeah. You know, with uh, with their quarterback Dobbs, who went twenty one of thirty for one hundred thirty two yards. Um, I guess for a positive for the Cardinals is at least um, their quarterback didn't turn over the ball. You know, like uh, it was good in that respect. And then the as for the Commanders. Howell did one run in one touchdown and uh, for the most part was serviceable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I kept seeing B Robinson, B Robinson. I'm like, oh, no, that's he's in Atlanta. Oh yeah. Brian Robinson. Yeah. Brian Robinson. J. Yeah. I forgot. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, he was the leading back and uh, he was pretty good. Um, but yeah, they didn't need to be um, terrific. Um, he had uh, the, the touchdown catch and uh, also was a leading back with uh, 19 carries on the ground. Uh, the cards only had 210 total yards, 114 passing, 96 rushing, and uh, they will struggle. Joshua Dobbs is, uh, you know, probably one of the weakest quarterbacks in the NFL, unfortunately. And this team's decimated uh, without Kyler Murray, without uh, D hop, DeAndre Hopkins there. And, and they've moved on from many of the others. Um, yeah, this is Tank City. Uh, they almost pulled out an unlikely victory, but uh, this will be few and far between uh, close games, I'm sure, this year. So uh, let's turn to the NFC West, and we'll talk about the San Francisco 49ers, who really showed everybody that's uh, predicting them to be a Super Bowl contender that they're probably quite right. Um, I think that I could start for the San Francisco 49ers and make playoffs. I, uh, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, uh, is looking like Tom Brady with the weapons that he has here. And, uh, you know, if I can hand the ball, throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, on and on and on and on, like, I think I could make the playoffs. So give me a shot. I'll prove myself. And uh, Brock Purdy, great to see him back from that elbow injury and surgery. Uh, you weren't sure if he was going to be able to uh, come back as well as he played last year, but um, good performance from all around. Dominating, very dominating victory here. A 30-7 to beat down over the Steelers. Yeah, they made it look easy. They just, that, that's, that's what stood out to me. They made it look easy. Purdy is... Just fine. Picked up where he left off from last year. Uh, threw, threw for 220 yards with two touchdowns. And McCaffrey was the absolute man in this one. Carrying the ball 22 times for 152 yards and a touchdown. Three receptions more for 17 yards. Oh, oh, forgot. Brandon Ayuk also had a monster game. with Eight receptions, 129 yards and two touchdowns. That's the thing with, with the 49ers. You don't know who's going to go off. But one of them guys are definitely going to go off. Yeah. So like, it's 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 so much of pick your poison. 
what do you want to do? Because whatever you choose to do, that'll be the wrong thing. Yeah. So I'm just going to hit you with something else, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was great to see that Bosa contract is done. He's out on the field. He's playing. He's anchoring that excellent defense. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the Steelers were out of their depth. They didn't They didn't really stand a chance there. Yeah. Uh, small hands picket there. Um, yeah. And, and not exactly uh, in, you know, has the same kind of weapons. And, and uh, yeah, tough. Um, tough when you're beaten by Mr. Irrelevant. But uh, uh, many teams have been since he's come over. Um, I heard somebody say that the Niners are 11 and 0 since McCaffrey came over from Carolina. I don't think that could be the case because they lost to the Eagles um, last yeah. year, right? But uh, was McCaffrey injured? Was he not playing that game? I, I don't know what they. Somebody said 11 and 0, either 11 and 0 or 11 and 1. So yeah. um, you know he's been super dominant, and um, you know this is a guy that should get MVP consideration. Uh, year after year, just what he brings, 152 yards on the ground, uh, you know, just 22. I, I just couldn't believe, like, uh, he just can find holes. He yeah. he can elude tackles. He is just so tough to bring down. And uh, I just carry after carry after carry. I just see him with this vision and ability to get open, find 10 yards of carry. It, it's just a, uh, it's just awesome to watch this guy. And, uh, you know, he is, to me, the most elite running back in the league by far. Yeah, like his vision, his balance, uh, the way he can move in space. Like, yeah, man, he's he's got all the tools, all the tools. So when the 49ers got him last year, I was like, well, that's that's – that's just going to be more of a problem for the rest of the league. Just like, well, their offense was already really good. And then they added that guy. Amazing. Great. Great. I feel sorry for the Steelers. Uh, I saw Mike Tomlin's uh, press conference. He took a lot of blame, but um, geez, uh, it's dark days uh, for the Steelers organization. And um, yeah, this year they might not get that five, elusive 500 mark that they've been at for the last 20 something years. Um, yeah, yeah, it looks tough there. Plus uh, two big injuries. Deontay Johnson was injured in this game, as well as Pat Firemuth who had the lone TD for them. Uh, we'll see in the coming days how lengthy both their injuries will be. I'm going to run down a bit of an injury report pretty soon, but um, geez, yeah, I feel sorry for the Steelers and their faithful. Uh, it's going to be a tough season. In a, in a tough uh, division, um, you got some of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL on the other three teams in that division. Uh, Pittsburgh's... Um, trying to come in with small hands picket and uh, yeah, not really measuring up to the, the other elite guys uh, that they will have to battle at least twice each uh, uh, through the season. No, no, uh, he's not going to measure up. And plus on top of that, he still needs the experience. Um, he's, you know, it's only his second year in the league and let's be honest, the Steelers are not what they used to be. Yeah. They're not, they're not there. They're, they're lacking in talent. Um, this is going to be there's still a couple of more like they're they're years away from being relevant again. Steelers are um hosting the Browns one week from tonight on the Monday nighter. So should be great. Uh, we get to see 
uh, a division battle there. Deshaun Watson and uh, those guys who got a big victory over the weekend. Uh, the 49ers go to L.A. to play the Rams. The late window on Sunday, the uh, uh, 105 Pacific, 405 Eastern. Um, Rams had a huge upset. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But, uh, yeah, big surprising victory there. Um, yeah, why don't we talk about it immediately? Uh, Seattle Seahawks were supposed to uh, dominate this division this year. Uh, Geno Smith uh, has, uh, you know, had a, a miraculous season, got the big bag and was uh, expected to come in and, and blow uh, teams away. The Rams were on a big rebuild, losing a ton of guys since that all-in year, winning the Super Bowl. And, um, yeah, Matt Stafford uh, put together some really big drives. Uh, Aaron Donald uh, really uh, got Geno Smith pretty uh, – worried a bunch of times and um the Rams pulled off a big big win uh Seattle's offense was dried up beyond belief in that second half brutal brutal effort from them and uh Rams pulled off the yeah probably the upside of the weekend in my mind yeah I I would say so Stafford looked like Stafford of old looks like he's clearly passed his injuries that he was suffering from from the season before 334 yards, 24-38. But the guy that I was most impressed with from the Rams, I believe, is the rookie Nakua. Yeah. Did I even say his name right? Yeah. Ten receptions, 119 yards, and some of those catches were absolutely magnificent. I was very, very impressed with his play. Yeah. Yeah, him and Tutu Atwell both had 119 yards apiece. Um they were uh, both great uh, filling in for Cooper Cup. And, uh, you know, yeah, some of those catches were spectacular. Uh, very impressive. Uh, they got two TD runs by uh, Kyron Williams and Cam Akers had a TD. And, um, yeah, the um, Seahawks offense. Uh, I wasn't expecting the uh, Rams defense to be so formidable, shutting down the, the Seahawks offense in that second half. Uh, zero points. Um, like I think in like, like one stretch there, like Seattle Seahawks had maybe like three plays, and and the Rams had you know dozen uh, like dozen. Some of those those drives were like 18, 19 plays, keeping the Seahawks offense on the sideline. Uh, Geno comes in three and out, and then Rams go on another big, big drive, and uh, yeah, this was uh quite a shock. Uh, very disappointing for the local Seahawks fans around here and that filled that stadium. Um, yeah, not not the uh, opener that uh, most expected, especially against the Rams, who are really expected to struggle this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought that the, the Seattle receivers would have the advantage against the corners of the Rams, yeah. which was clearly not the case. Metcalf only finished with three receptions, 47 yards. Yes, he had a touchdown. But where was Tyler Lockett? Where were some of these other guys? Um, they were blanketed. You know, they just didn't have the opportunity that I thought they would. A lot of that is attributed to the Rams' front line, or more importantly, Aaron Donald, who was uh, creating havoc in the backfield yeah. uh, for the Seahawks. Did you did you catch that uh, audio clip that they had where Donald was coming through the middle, Geno was – was back in the pocket, ready to throw the ball, and all of a sudden, Aaron just came 
flying at him and he yells, Oh my God. <laughs> you didn't hear that I, one? I, I think I think I did. Because <laughs> that is pretty funny because that would be what most people would say <laughs> when you saw a big Aaron Donald coming at you. I, I just wouldn't have expected it from like Geno Smith to actually audibly say that. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Oh my God. Uh, I've heard a few people uh, make reference to it today. And uh, oh man, made me just howl. I, I had to get the remote and rewind it. And did I hear him yell? Oh my God. <laughs> it was just unreal. Uh, a beast of a man coming at you. Yeah, you would think you would. Keep that to yourself, but uh, I guess when you're under pressure like that, you just, I guess, just do what you do. And oh my God, that was so funny. Uh, Seahawks uh, play the Lions uh, on Sunday. Uh, Lions fresh off a, a win over the defending Super Bowl champion. So no joke in their second game uh, could be tough. Uh, the Rams host the uh, 49ers. So another really stiff, tough test. For the Rams, and we'll see if Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, and uh, all these guys can uh, put this together. I don't, uh, I doubt it, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, we discussed the other NFC team, the Cardinals, earlier when we uh, we talked about the Commanders game. So let's go now to the NFC North. Um, I did just mention the Lions. That. Uh, was pretty shocking as result as well. Uh, maybe you got to include that as the most shocking result of the weekend uh, in that conversation. Uh, defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, everybody on the panel on Monday night uh, or Thursday night countdown. Uh, Chiefs, Mahomes, Chiefs, defending champs. Yeah, on and on and on. But uh, Travis Kelsey was missed. Chris Jones was greatly missed. And uh, Chris Jones did sign today, one-year contract uh, uh, with the Chiefs. Uh, they came to an agreement today. Uh, did you hear that? That just came down maybe an hour or two ago. No, I, I'm actually surprised that they even came to any sort of like agreement. To be honest with you, yeah. what what was the? Do you know what the final numbers were? I don't that one year numbers as of yet. Uh, let me see here. Um, he was oh he receives uh incentives in the new contract that it would allow him to earn more than 19 and a half million um allow him to earn more than the 19 and a half million he was scheduled to make this season under the old contract so uh we're talking 20 to 20 something million um he's just finishing a four year 80 million dollar contract this year and that would have been the extension uh, he would have been the ninth highest paid defense attack in the league by the average salary under this contract. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I I wondered, you know, if there wasn't so much, if there the animosity wasn't as great as some of the other players that I've seen go through this when he attended the game and he was sitting in the box and he had his agents next to him were, who were on the phone. The, the brothers were back and forth on the phone trying to make this deal and Kansas City needed him. They missed him. And oh, I thought, um, you know, maybe this would go. Uh, after the big contracts that were signed right this past week, though, you said, I don't think Jones is going to be able to get signed there. They're going to have to trade him. Uh, probably will not happen. But glad that they came together, signed a one-year deal, 
and hopefully they're in negotiations for a long-term contract as well while this one-year deal at least keeps them here uh, with Kansas City this season. At least keeps them there and, and also, too, gets them back on the field, more importantly than yeah. anything, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, but the one thing that was glaring for the Chiefs' loss in this is that if they had Chris Jones, they probably win that game. Yeah. Or if they had Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey they probably yeah. win that game. Yeah. If they had both of those guys, they definitely win that game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that that's what that's what stood out to me because as as good as Mahomes is, he still needs his 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 sidekick, which is Kelsey. Yeah. He needs that guy so to get in those such, such he's such a weapon. He's he's an outlet. He's a guy that you can count on. You One. throw the ball in his direction, he's bringing it down. And exactly the Chiefs and, didn't have that that night. Kadarius Tony had one of the worst games, and you can blame the, the the loss on him in a lot of ways. He played terrible. He was the reason why there was a pick thrown by Mahomes, and there was uh, a few uh, third down plays where he, if he would catches the ball, they're out. Of, they get a first down, and they're out of their ends. Their end, yeah. and uh, you know the drops were brutal. Uh, his his drop on that interception was. Horrible. You cannot blame that on Mahomes. And uh, the weird thing was Tony was listed as questionable as the week wore on. And I was, I had him in my fantasy, one of my fantasy draft lineups. And I thought, okay, I'm going to keep him in here close to the close to Sunday, but I don't know. I think I'm going to have to try to find somebody comparatively just because he's been listed as questionable way too long for my liking. So I don't know how much this injury that he was dealing with, contributed to this performance but holy crap like to be able to just point out one guy and say you know you're missing two guys i know that but one <laughs> guy really was one of the main main reasons why the chiefs uh tasted defeat on that night oh of course like even the interception from mahomes it hit him right in the hands right there perfectly thrown ball and he fumbled it and then yeah. You could tell with Mahomes, look, what it was like, I don't know if I can do anything better on my part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else you want me to do, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, he was he was trying to stifle his frustration, but holy crap, that was bad. Yeah. Pretty rough. Um, what did you think of the fake punt by Dan Campbell right off the hop, first drive of the game? That's him sending a statement to his team. I, I think that's him saying, I got I got this extreme self-belief in my boys. We've come a long way. Here we go. It, it, it's almost like he did that to set the tone for the rest of the season. That's what it felt like to me. And I guess uh, mission accomplished. They got the first down. And then more importantly, they got the win. Um, and they looked good doing it. They really yeah. did. Jared Goff looked good, 253 yards passing a touchdown. David Montgomery comes in and replaced Jamal Williams, 21 carries, 74 yards and touchdown, decent enough. Jameer Gibbs uh, was able to get seven carries, 42 yards, a couple catches. Josh Reynolds played well. Amon Ross, St. Brown, six catches, 71 yards and a touchdown. Good to see Sam Laporta even putting in there, contributing with five catches, 39 yards. Um Mahomes, fairly ordinary numbers, uh, 226 yards, a couple touchdowns, that pick. He did get 45 yards on the ground in the scrambles, but no receiver had 
50 yards and no runner had 25. So like other than Mahomes, like those aren't numbers that we normally see from the chiefs. Uh, usually Mahomes, you can just bank on 300 yards. The, the running backs are going to get about 150. And uh, this was just different. This just different beginning to a season that we've seen in this Mahomes era. Yeah. And it was different because he didn't have Kelsey with him. Yeah. That's that I, I, I firmly attributed to that. Well, he didn't have Kelsey with him. That's why he was constant. It felt like this game, he was constantly searching for a guy that he could rely on and yeah. answer to the yeah. riddle of that question, which he didn't find. It could have been Kadarius Tony if he had caught the football. <laughs> but he didn't do that. No, he sure did. And totally cow. Uh, yeah, he could be in the uh, doghouse uh, this week for sure. So we'll see if, uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, when Casey goes to Jacksonville, they play the early window Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 Eastern. Uh, the Lions, as I mentioned, host the Seahawks same time. Uh, okay, let's, oh, let's turn now to the NFC matchup. Uh, the Vikings hosted the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, the, uh, Kirk cousins, uh, had a huge first half, just absolutely massive. So did, uh, Justin Jefferson. And then for some reason, the offensive coordinator doesn't barely throw the ball to Jefferson in the second half. I was surprised. I was shocked. Um, Tampa ends up pulling out a, a 2017 win Baker Mayfield, um, pretty bizarre, uh, this was weird. I, I don't understand what uh, what the offensive play calling and, and direction was going because they had a dynamic first half and then just uh, really laid an egg in that second half, just like the Seahawks did, and, and let Tampa pull this victory out. Uh, maybe it's because the Bucks were able to do some adjustments to try to take away the best receiver in the game right now. But at the same time, He's still the best receiver in the game. He's still throwing the ball. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, doesn't matter. If, if you're going to throw it in the double coverage, I would trust him. Big I time. would trust him. Oh, big time. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's I mean? definitely top two or three receivers in the game, if not the best. Like, uh, mm -hmm. amazing talent. He was he was listed as the, the, the top guy in our draft board. He was the top receiver in the game. So, you know, lots of people do think of him as that guy. He had 153 yards in the first half. I think, uh, what did um, Cousins have? Cousins had 200 and, uh, I think, 230 yards in the first half it was. He ended up with 344 yards. But, um, mm. Jesus, like, uh, just so frustrating when you just see them just be so dynamic and then just completely just not even be there in that second half. It was really weird. We saw Addison and Madison get the TD catches, but I think Jeff Jefferson could have had the same numbers that Tyreek Hill ha could have had uh, yesterday if they just uh, threw them him the ball a bit more in that second half. Well, hopefully they learn from this because like I, you know what the you know what the game now reminds me of. Um, it reminded me of last year where Carr all of a sudden forgot that he had, like, Adams on his team. Yeah. Right? He just kind of forgot that he was there. Weird. Well, now that this has happened, I think the Vikes, especially the offensive coordinator, needs to go back to basics, which is we need to pass Jefferson the ball more. 
Make sure that you do that a certain amount of times in every freaking game. Yeah. Do that, yeah. you're gonna be way better off. And then I never thought I would say this about the Bucks, but I guess trust in Baker Mayfield. Trust in Mayfield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. I didn't think I'd hear that uh, uttered to this year, but um, yeah, this is this Mayfield's last kick of the can. Uh, he's been on, this is his fourth team in a couple of seasons. Um, do you think, uh, to me, um, he looked more determined than I ever remember him in any of the other stops. So, like I saw him make some runs yesterday. I saw him throw a stiff arm yesterday that blew my mind. I saw him uh, determinedly run for some first downs and uh, really command respect in that huddle. I was pretty impressed with how I saw how determined he was. And I think he probably realizes this might be the last stop on the NFL career if he fails here. I would say so. I, I, I think he realizes that. And especially, like, last stop as a starter. Yeah. Like, let's say that he could right. probably bounce around as a third stringer and stuff like that. But I think his pride won't allow him to do that. And so yeah. I think he's just – he's going to try to give it his all this, this, this particular season. And, oh, so far, so good, I guess, you know. Threw for yeah. 133 yards, two touchdowns, one to Mike Evans. at six uh, receptions, 66 yards, man. So, you know, hopefully he can keep the ball rolling. You yeah. know, like kind of tough act to follow when you had to follow up after the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game in Tom Brady. So, you know, it's like yeah. he comes in going, well, I'm not that guy, <laughs> but I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they uh he's got he's got great weapons in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, you know, he should be able to um, you know, pull out a bunch of wins this year. Um, their defense to me is the the key to this team, though, and they were really big getting those three turnovers. Uh yeah, that was uh, I think the the main reason why uh they ended up getting this victory here. So uh Tampa hosts the Bears on the early window Sunday. And uh, the Vikings go to Philly for that Thursday nighter, as I mentioned a little earlier. Uh, okay, let's continue with the NFC North and talk about the Bears and the Packers. Um, this was a uh, a really good coming out party. First time in 30 years that we won't we'll see a new quarterback in Green Bay, not named Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it is the Jordan Love era finally began. Uh, this is, to me, a, a really smart way of going about a succession plan. And not a lot of NFL teams do this properly, but they did this. They they saw Jordan Love a few years ago in college and said, hey, this is a guy I want to build an organization around. We know Aaron Rodgers is getting close to 40. He's not going to be here forever. It's time to get a guy that we can mold, we can bring behind an MVP, we can show him the ropes, and we can develop him. And he looked developed to me. He looked poised, confident, great arm strength, uh, good scramble ability, everything that you want in a quarterback, a young guy that you want to build an organization around. I was very impressed with the first look. We really first look we got to see against uh, with Jordan Love. Yeah, he, he looked great. He looked great. And like you said, he looked poised. And I think there has to be something to be said about taking your time with a young quarterback so that he actually understands the offense 
And then obviously a huge bonus is getting to see and work behind an MVP in Aaron Rodgers uh, from season to season. So he looked great, 15 to 27, 245 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Aaron Jones was an absolute freaking monster. Massive, yeah. Massive. Nine carries, one yard, a touchdown. Two receptions for 86 yards and one touchdown. I thought that first, the screen that he caught, I thought he was taking that to the house. And he almost did. Almost did, yeah. Almost did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look at those numbers. Like two for 86 and nine for 41 on the ground with touchdown. Like, I've loved Aaron Jones. I remember uh, Aaron Rodgers always saying, man, I just absolutely love the second Aaron that we have in that huddle. I know if I can get him the ball, he's going to make things happen. And uh, yeah, Green Bay's lucky he's still there because he is another one of those weapons, like we mentioned with McCaffrey, just a guy that you can get out in space and he's going to make people miss and he's going to get a lot of yardage and he's going to score touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make you miss, and he's gonna make plays, and which is absolutely what he did. Um, Fields, on the other hand, not bad. It was it wasn't bad, but also too, it just feels like there's something a little bit lacking on that side of the ball. You know what I mean? Like uh, he had 216 yards. He had a touchdown. He had a pick. He also had nine carries for 59 yards, but I believe he also had a fumble within that. And that's something that he needs to address. That's something that's going to have to be fixed within his game because he does have those fumble tendencies. Yeah. Chicago was the worst team in the NFL last year. They didn't make huge upgrades in anywhere, I thought, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So, um, yeah, they're going to struggle again. This team's not very good. DJ Moore, you know, was uh, touted as such a, a great move when they decided to make that deal with Carolina and so Carolina could draft Bryce Young but um you know he was 2 for 25 and and you know most teams are going to be able to double team him take him out put your best corner on him and uh you know nobody else is going to hurt you so um yeah Chicago's going to struggle this isn't a very good team at all and and uh you know they pro- they probably won't be the worst team like they were last year but they they still will not make the playoffs and Justin Fields is um you know He's on his apprenticeship and uh, he's he's great. But yeah, you're right. He's got to, uh, you know, if he's going to run out in space, he's got to be good at hand, uh, keeping the football in his grasp and not uh, turning it over. Um, I did want to mention uh, for Green Bay, Romeo Dobbs uh, had a couple touchdown catches and uh, the Packers defense was really, really super solid too. Uh, they're going to take him places. Uh, Green Bay goes to Atlanta to face your Falcons. Uh, that is the early window on Sunday as well. And Chicago goes to Tampa and plays those Baker Mayfield boys. Um, okay. Turn to the NFC South. Um, this is the first time in, I believe, history that a division with all four teams is debuting a new quarterback uh, that's coming in. Um uh, <laughs> hasn't played with them the previous season. So uh, New Orleans Saints uh, banked on Derek Carr and uh, Derek Carr does not have Devontae Adams uh, to forget, like you said earlier, but um, he has a few weapons there. Uh, They squeaked out 
a uh, 16 to 15 win over the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Carr was good, 305 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Chris Olave was his favorite target, eight catches, 112 yards. Rashid Shaheed had uh, 89 on five and a touchdown. Um, then Titans, uh, their entire scoring was done by their kicker, Nick Folk. Uh, five field goals and uh, gets the loss. Uh, Tannehill needs to get some touchdowns. Like, you got to finish these drives. You got to score TDs, not just keep kicking field goals. You can't rely on your kicker to kick six field goals. To win you a game, uh, a big disappointment for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Henry was kept in check. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, too, um, you know, not bad. Seven for 65, but nothing spectacular like we normally see. And, um, yeah, this was just a, a squeaker game for New Orleans, 16-15. Yeah, well, you know what? Good start for Derek Carr. He got the win, yeah. right? And he played well, passing for 305 yards. Awful game for Tannehill with three interceptions. You could probably squarely put the blame on the loss on Tannehill's shoulders because without those interceptions, probably win this game. Yeah, but you know what I mean. But, but that's that's what happens. Is that how it's that's how it goes sometimes uh, for the Titans. Uh, you know what? Every time I look at the Titans, I always think to myself, how much better could this team be if they just had a better quarterback? <laughs> yeah. Like Tannehill is serviceable. He's but but that's about it. Yeah. That that's the ceiling right there. Like he's yeah. he's not an elite quarterback. So um I think the Titans go as, as far as he can take them, which I don't believe is going to be actually that far. No. So. Yeah, no, it's tough. Yeah, he's he's not an elite quarterback. Uh he's in the bottom half of the league there. So yeah, tough game. Three picks, brutal. Uh zero touchdowns, uh, not good. Uh Titans will be hosting the Chargers early window on Sunday and the saints welcome in the Panthers. This is the Monday game. And uh, strange enough, there's two Monday nighters next week. There's a game that starts at four 15 Pacific, seven 15 Eastern. And then there's one uh, that starts an hour later. So I don't know why they have two games. That's going to be weird. I'm not sure how they're going to show it locally here. Um, I don't know why they have this weird uh, schedule and especially just an hour apart. Um, you know, I thought maybe we'd be able to see both games, uh, yeah. you know, in their entirety. But um, yeah, I, 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 I've yet to figure out why they have this anomaly in the schedule uh, next week. Yeah, that's it, a little bit odd. Obviously, I guess that's what that's what um, maybe um, uh, the networks wanted. Maybe that, that's what they, or that's what they needed, or, or there were scheduling conflicts. You never know sometimes, but uh, sucks that you can't watch both games through the entire. Yeah, luckily we got PVRs, and uh, you know there'll be a bit of spoilers going on. But um, yeah, I'm gonna PVR them both and and watch them in in their entirety. Uh, as I said, Saints and Panthers early, Browns and Steelers an hour later on Monday. So um, yeah. Uh yeah, let's go. Um, let's go to the NFC South divisional matchup, uh, with the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. Um, three quarterbacks picked in the early uh, NFL draft this year. All three were uh, winless. Uh, there has been uh so many number one overall picks. I think it's the last 
22 years, the number one overall quarterback in his first game, only one uh, win out of the uh, the last 22 years. Um, I'm going to pull up the name in a second, but uh, Bryce Young tries to come in. Uh, I think he's going to have a great NFL career, but you're going to a team that, uh, you know, barely uh, was, you know, uh, the, the, they were almost the worst team in the NFL last year. Gets Get the number one pick in a, in a trade with Chicago, but um, Bryce Young comes in. He was okay. They didn't, uh, you know, they didn't, uh, he doesn't have the weapons, I guess I'll have to say. Uh, 20 for 38, 146 yards, couple picks, one touchdown. Uh, not the greatest debut, but um, yeah, his his he doesn't have the weapons that he needs to make this well. Uh, great to see your Falcons get a victory. Uh, Desmond Ritter played great. And, uh, you know, a couple touchdown victory, 24-10 here for the Falcons. Nice to see them coming out of the gate with a victory. Yeah, and uh, nice to see that their running game has definitely not slowed down. It's it's actually even more dangerous than what it was last season with uh, B. John Robinson, who had a great run in. Amazing making, touchdown. Amazing touchdown. Made three defenders miss to get in. Uh, Algier had a great game, 15 carries, 75 yards with two touchdowns himself. So at least the one good thing about having Ritter in there is that he can rely on his run game. Yeah. That run game is solid. He's got three incredible runners in the backfield with Algier, Robinson, and Corderell Patterson. Like he's he's got three guys. He's got three horses back there. Um, and as for Bryce Young, he's gonna be going through his growing pains. That's what all young quarterbacks have to go through. Um, hopefully, as he goes on from season to season, his team is going to be built up. So yeah. he'll have like, you know, people to pass the ball to and all that sort of thing. Yeah. People that he can rely on. But I will say this, at least Miles Sanders, he, he did have a pretty – he had a good game, 18 yeah. carries for 72 yards, and then also Truba Hubbard with nine carries, 60 yards. So I have a feeling that they're really going to be leading into that run game the Panthers mm-hmm. are uh, going forward. Yeah, their running game is uh, you know definitely one of their strengths. Uh, Sanders, good pickup from Philly, uh, you know had 22 catches for 98 yards. Um, can the Canadian Chuba Hubbard, glad you mentioned him, uh, nine for 66.7 yards average. Uh, they should have given them the ball more. Um, and he got a couple catches there. So, uh, yeah, the rest of the team, uh, pretty mixed. Uh, yeah. Falcons with Algier and Robinson, that, that two, uh, two horse, uh, uh, two, uh, two back system, I think will be really good for them. Um, you were talking about the Falcons and, and them struggling super bad because Marcus Mariota was uh, so terrible. But uh, I didn't, I didn't stop you. I should have, I should have stopped you during our preview. Uh, Mariota's in Philly. He's in Philly now. Oh. So, yeah. So, so did they, when did they get when did they get rid of him? I thought he was still with the preseason with the Falcons. No, he? they had uh, moved on from him, and uh, he spent the entire preseason in Philly, but. You know, look, uh, look bad. They, I, I think everyone had seen, except for Philly, that he was this bad, and uh, had moved on from him. So Riz, okay. Ritter's their man. Ritter's their man. Okay, because I, I don't know why. Then I thought that because I, I just remember looking at it, going, "Oh my God, the Falcons are going to be horrible." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I remember thinking to myself. <laughs> but yeah, at least with Ritter, though, he does take care of the football. Definitely takes care of the football. So that's a good thing. 
Um, I mentioned the two interceptions from Bryce Young not taking care of the football. Uh, Jesse Bates was their um, uh, their guy. He had two of the picks of their three in the game. So um, uh, really nice. Uh, and and five tackles, uh, really good performance on the defensive side of the ball for Jesse Bates. Uh, Atlanta hosts Green Bay on Sunday. So a big battle against uh, uh, Jordan Love. And then Panthers. Um, they host that early uh, game, as I mentioned, the uh, early Monday game. Uh, rest of the that division, we covered Baker Mayfield and the um, Bears and against the Vikings earlier. And um, the NFC story now. Uh, no, no, that's the finish is the NFC story. Now we're going to just do the AFC. Um, we talked about the Monday nighter already. Uh, the Jets and Bills about to tip off for <laughs> kickoff fairly soon. Uh, we did not talk about the game of the weekend, uh, the Dolphins battling against the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, drafted back-to-back uh, with the Dolphins and the Chargers. Uh, this was a shootout. Seven lead changes through this game. Uh, super fun to watch. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, what the hell was going on with your coverage on Tyreek Hill? Uh, brutal. Uh, the guy had 215 yards on 11 catches, couple touchdowns. Um, he predicted that he's going to get 2,000 yards, and a lot of people scoffed at his prediction. Uh, he could get it in 10 games, maybe nine games, uh, if he he faces the kind of coverage uh, that the Chargers threw up on him. Um, and and Tua 460 something yards through the air, like uh amazing performance from a guy that that had troubles last year with those concussions and uh, a lot of people wondering if you know he can continue this career um great uh, first game from him and and um yeah just a, an awesome game to watch just back and forth back and forth seven lead changes you don't see that often in nfl games no no you don't see that often especially in week one where people are still trying to work the kinks out so to speak this game was Absolutely unbelievable. Um, Herbert, great showing for himself. 23-33, 228 yards, one touchdown. And then another one on the ground that he rushed in. Uh, Austin Eckler was awesome. Now, you know, here's the thing. Okay, I'm just going to say this. I got to say this. He had 16 carries, 117 yards, one touchdown, four more receptions, 47 yards. And you don't want to pay that guy because apparently – He's not important to your offense. Crazy, man. If you take him out of that offense, well, then the Dolphins win easily. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there's there's certain things that I, I look at, like, okay, so you want to develop the running back, like, position. Why would you do that? If you if you don't have him there, you don't have a chance to win this game. Yeah. Period. Yeah. No, he was he was super key. One of the best. Uh, they did. They just – they went crazy on the ground, and he was one of the biggest reasons. Uh, yeah. Kelly had 91 yards on the ground and a touchdown, and Eckler had 117. Like, 200-something yards uh, rushing is phenomenal. And Eckler is, Eckler's, you know, just as good as, as McCaffrey, in my mind. And, and yeah, he has to go through a contract dispute and, and fight you for, uh, you know, it's just unbelievable. And this is a dark day for sure, or a dark period of time for these running backs, but you know, some teams got to be smart enough to realize like, 
this guy's valuable. Let's pay him. Let's keep him around. Yes. Let's keep him happy. Yeah. Right? Because if he's happy, then the rest of the offense is happy because the rest of the offense is happy because he's awesome and we kind of need him to win. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, so anyways, it's enough of my rant. But it was a great, fantastic game. Fantastic game. And I love the fact that Tyreek Hill had the go-ahead touchdown. Because for me, I looked at it and and said to myself, so you didn't want to double-team him on that particular play. Oh, man, yeah. That was just – to to me, that was such a perfect pass, too. Like, that was just dropped in. Just, you know, you can't make a nicer pass than that. It was just – he threw it even before he made his cut. He just yeah. threw it to a spot, and it was just over the, the defender's shoulder, came yeah. in, perfect, easy, boom, done. It was, yeah, it was, you know, just as good for Hill as it was, uh, you know, for Tua. I, I just, yeah, was very impressed with Tua, his poise, the delivery, everything about this game was made me see that he is one of those elite quarterbacks. He's got incredible weapons, but um, he, you know, he delivered, and uh, yeah, he he was uh, one of the main reasons for this victory too. Oh yeah, he was most certainly one of the main reasons for this victory, and uh, I just hope that he remains healthy for the rest yeah. of the season. And I I want to see more of this. That's yeah. why I wish only the best for his health for the rest of the season because this was an amazing performance on his part. Big props to uh, the Dolphins' defense as well. On that last drive, the Chargers had enough time to march down and take this win. Uh, you know, all they had to do was kick a field goal because they missed an extra point on that touchdown. And uh, two sacks on that last drive. Uh, second down, fourth down, bam, game over. Uh, yeah, Herbert was just blown apart. And those were the first two sacks of the game. They just stepped up when they needed to and, and got that done, uh, unfortunately, for Chargers fans. Uh, Chargers face the Ryan Tannehill-led Titans, luckily. Uh, <laughs> should be able to uh, uh, get the first victory. Uh, Dolphins go to the Patriots, and that's the Sunday nighter, which will be, I guarantee, better <laughs> than last night's Sunday nighter. That's my Charles Barkley guarantee. Uh, the Sunday nighter this week will be better than Sunday nighter last. So, um, okay, AFC West. Uh, the, the second, um, yeah, let's turn to the AFC West now. We did the East. Um, the Jimmy G era in Vegas uh, began uh, taking on uh, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Uh, Russell Wilson, worst season of his career last year. Sean Payton brought in to try to, uh, change the narrative. Nathaniel Hackett, luckily, out the door. Uh, and um, this was a better performance from Russ than I saw last year. But uh, the Raiders were able to pull out a, uh, a very important big victory. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I would say when I think about this game, I think about Will Lutz, uh, he should apply for EI today because if I was the GM, I'd be sending him packing. Uh, he missed an extra point and a field goal. And uh, if he makes them, if he makes, if he makes the field goal, they win. If he makes the extra point, they got overtime. Uh, 
this was not good for Will Lutz. Uh, he's, I think, the reason why you can point to the loss. But um, Jimmy G pulled out a victory for the Raiders in his debut, and it was a it was a close one. But uh, yeah, your thoughts in this game? My thoughts were this. Okay, so you you look at Russell Wilson's numbers; they're good, right? Twenty-seven to thirty-four, hundred seventy-seven yards, two touchdowns, no picks, yeah. but. No explosive plays either. Right. No real plays down the field. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. when you look at how much he's being paid, well, something should have happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And none of that happened. None of that happened. And I I was kind of very much keying on that. A lot, a lot of dump offs and stuff, a lot of short yardage passing, but yeah. nothing down the p- field. Now that may be attributed to the fact that uh, Judy wasn't available. So that's why their 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 vertical game was limited. Yeah. But again, I looked at that. Garoppolo did what Garoppolo does. 2026, 20, 200 yards, uh two DT, two TDs, one pick. Um yeah, he did enough. He did enough to win the game, and which is what Jimmy G does. He will do enough to win yeah, the game. He just wins, baby. He just wins. You yes. know, that's what uh Al Davis said, just win, baby, and that's what he can bring to your team he has an incredible win-loss record in his career uh, i was impressed by jacoby myers they signed him to a controversial three-year deal out of new england this offseason but he had a huge game with nine catches 81 yards and a couple picks unfortunately suffered a concussion uh late in the game uh, i i rewound it a couple times and he was 100 percent knocked out um so he will probably miss a game or two. Um, really brutal. After his ninth catch, just coming across, helmet to helmet hit, boom, knocked right out. It reminded me of UFC. You see a guy's eyes roll back and you're, he's stiffened up. Uh, it was a bad look and it was a bad hit that, um, you know, the NFL is definitely trying to take out of the game. And, a, and tough, after such a great game, tough to see a guy have to come off the field like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I don't know who uh, – I can't remember the player that committed the hit, but he's probably looking at a fine from the league yeah. for sure for the helmet-to-helmet hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that, and up to that point, obviously, Myers had a great game with the two touchdowns. But um, hopefully he's going to be able to come back from that um, yeah. sooner than later. But as we all know, every team is going to be kind of very cautious about that yeah. because we saw what happened to Tua where – Apparently, the one hit that he had wasn't a concussion. It, was, it wasn't a concussion. Oh, yeah. okay. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, the Raiders will be uh, very cautious with Myers and bring him back when he's actually supposed to be back. Yeah. Uh, Devontae just had a, a regular game, six catches, 66 yards. Well, I'm sure we'll see more of him, especially if Myers is missed. Um Okay, so the weird thing for me in this game that just sort of blew my mind right off the bat, I'm like, okay, Sean Payton's coming in. I want to see what he's going to change, what he's going to bring different. He he uh, threw sand and dirt and you know a lot of stuff at Nathaniel Hackett for the performance that he put in last year, and so so did many others. But I. I expected something big and different and and we didn't see it we didn't see the dynamic plays like you say the very first play of the game 
he went for a fake kickoff. And I'm like, that's what you're going to bring to the table? Your very first play as the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. And you you can't do that anymore. That's uh, that's against the rules. It's against <laughs> the rules. So he is preparing this. He's trying to figure out, okay, this is the, the, hey, guys, I got this play. We're going to do this play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one guy tells him that's illegal. You can't do that anymore. No, they, they've, they've outlawed that. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, that's what Sean Payton is bringing to the table on his first play as a head coach of the Denver Broncos. I just laughed. I, I rewound it a couple times and thought, this is ridiculous. Like, come on. <laughs> and then I watched the game and I thought, like, how is this really any different from last year? Like, it was, was the it? same old shit. This was, this was the same old crap. Russell Wilson looked a bit better, but you're not really giving him uh, the ability to have a great game because you just have him dinking and dunking and doing much, not much else. It was it was brutal. I, I I was not impressed with the first game in Sean Payton era. No, I wasn't either. But then again and again, I look at like their receiving core. Yeah. Was it because they were limited? to stretch the defense on the other side of the ball. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the only thing. Like, right. once they get their full complement of their actual receivers that's supposed to be on the field, then I'm going to really judge them hard. But for right now, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give you a little bit of a pass. And plus, if you had a better kicker, you probably would have won the game, but you don't. So, you know, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, uh, I want to see what Sean Payton can do in the second and third all right, this first week is over and done with. Let's see what else he's got going on. Yeah, you're right. I made mention of their receiving core being decimated by injuries the last few weeks and, you know, thought, uh, uh-oh, you know, they're going to struggle uh, coming out of the gate. And, uh, yeah, I should have been uh, keying on that. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Sutton made a really good catch for that touchdown. But, um, you know, other than that, uh, nothing else stood out uh, as far as that offensive performance. So, yeah, uh, I, you know, get get Judy back, get uh, some more receivers in the mix, and uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll unleash uh, the beast, and uh, we'll see a different performance there. Um, okay, speaking of uh, a tough day at quarterback, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, never <laughs> never seen him struggle like this. A career low, eighty two yards passing. Uh, this was just brutal. Uh, he's been banged up, had a hamstring injury going through the preseason. Uh, you know, we just heard, you know, but he's going to be fine. Season's going to start. Same old Joe. We're going to see him come out there. But holy crap, that was, that was brutal. Uh, he is terrible against the Browns. One in five in his career. Cannot win there. Uh, Browns just beat the Bengals down all the time. It's a Ohio uh, rivalry and always has been. Uh, but the Bengals have been one of the elite teams of the AFC for uh, the Joe Burrow era. And uh, to see this game, uh, just such a one-sided beatdown like this, this was quite surprising to me and and uh, makes me wonder if uh, Burrow is a lot more hurt than uh, they're leading on and and uh, was not really able to do much in this game at all. I was going to pass it off as every once in a while, even the greats have a have a garbage game. Okay. And 
this was Burroughs garbage can. Uh, I will say this: the environment didn't help. I believe it was like it was oh, raining, torrential downpour, yeah. right? Probably would never got comfortable. And then uh, the Browns' defense never allowed him to get comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, he, he just he had a horrible game. But at the same time, when I looked at Deshaun Watson, he wasn't really all that much better either. You know, like yeah. he, he really wasn't. Like sixteen twenty nine, one hundred fifty four yards, one touchdown. He did run in another touchdown, five carries with forty five yards. But you know, like he he didn't. He didn't really impress me all that much either. Yeah. It, the, the guy that always impresses me for the Browns is one of my favorite running backs is Nick Chubb. That guy just keeps on. He just keeps on going, man. 18 carries, 106 yards. He he was awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, I I'm just gonna chalk it up that the Bengals just had a garbage game. I I believe Burrow will, will bounce back in the, the next week because this is not going to be the norm. Yeah. This was an anomaly. Yeah, yeah, it better be. Uh, yeah, this was crazy. They had uh, six first downs the entire game, 142 total yards, uh, two for 15 on third down, and 0 for 1 on any fourth down chance they had. Uh, yeah, Deshaun, uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, uh, this division is bizarre. The uh, Out of the four quarterbacks, we've got, uh, Deshaun Watson, a massive, massive quarterback deal. Uh, Lamar Jackson, massive quarterback deal. Joe Burrow, massive quarterback deal. Actually, the highest deal ever to a quarterback. And then we've got Kenny Smallhands Pickett. So, uh, <laughs> story stealers. But uh, we're going to give 250 to $275 million to all the other quarterbacks in your division. Uh, you get five <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, jesus that's rough like why aren't the steelers trying to do this like uh yeah this is crazy the the other the, you know the four quarterbacks three of them are getting paid one of them isn't uh what's gonna happen what's gonna happen well that one quarterback that isn't getting paid let, let's be honest his team is not near where the other quarterbacks teams are yeah. Right. Talent wise and stuff. So small hands is just going to get beat up for a while in that division. <laughs> yeah. uh, OK, Bengals uh, try to uh, turn it around. They face the Ravens, which would be a tough test uh, early window. Uh, the Browns go to Pittsburgh. So uh, we mentioned Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, should be a should be a victory there. So good old Cleveland. It might be two and all out of the gate, <laughs> two and all out of the gate. Um, Ravens, uh, just mentioned, uh, Ravens, uh, won 25 to nine. Uh, this was, um, touted as the biggest mismatch of the weekend. Houston's also supposed to struggle badly this year. CJ Stroud, the Houston Texans quarterback mismatch. Um, it was, uh, Ravens won 25 to nine. Uh, unfortunately it came at a huge price though. They lost jk dobbins to a season-ending uh, achilles injury and gone for the year uh he had already racked up a touchdown uh eight for 22 on the ground 252 for 15 through the air and then bam your number one running back out for the season uh what a blow what a what a horrible thing to have happened to a guy that's supposed to be your 
your top guy and uh and you know the back court mate uh backfield mate of uh lamar jackson bam wow just so brutal yeah it's brutal and correct me if i'm wrong last season didn't the same thing kind of happen to him again yeah he's like, had, we're, we're, he's he, had, the guy has no luck no. like literally like, like it, it it sucks because he's incredibly talented and we haven't yet gotten a chance to see this talent because these things keep happening to him. Yeah. And it, it is just unfortunate. I I don't think that's even his that's not his fault. It's just sometimes it's just luck of the draw. Yeah. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. They uh they also lost uh their safety Marcus Williams. Uh he has a torn peck. And uh our friend Joey Robertson uh went through that uh, long recovery if it's a full tear. He's undergoing the MRI today. We'll fill more details. Also, they lost uh, Ronnie Staley. Um, just unbelievably horrible uh, injury news for Baltimore. Uh, yeah, they uh, they ended up giving the ball to Justice Hill as their short yardage guy. Uh, I had to look at this two or three times, making sure I was seeing it right. Eight carries, nine yards, two touchdowns. So, uh, so Lamar got them all the way there, and then was okay. Justice, just get us a yard, just get us a yard, get in the end zone. Uh, we don't got J.K. anymore. You're our guy, but we don't trust you until we get down to the end zone. And uh, Justice Hill had to step up to be the guy. Yep, Justice Hill stepped up, and it was the guy. The other guy that I was actually very impressed with uh, in his debut game was Zay Flowers. Flowers, yeah. Zay, Zay yeah. Flowers looked good. He yeah. looked real good. Nine receptions, 78 yards. He, he's got that ability to make moves in the short area space. I I, lo I loved his game. I think yeah. he's going to play huge dividends for the Ravens going down. Yeah. Going down. Yeah, uh, Odell was uh, really shut down. Two catches, 37 yards. Um, yeah, just uh, Zay Flowers was the man uh, through the year. Um, their defense uh, was great. Five sacks of uh, C.J. Stroud. Uh, Stroud had an okay game, but running for his life, uh, most of it. Uh, their entire points were put up by Kaimi Fairburn, three field goals. And, um, yeah, tough in Houston. Uh, yeah, we expect them to struggle. They host Indy on Sunday. Baltimore goes to Cincy, as we mentioned earlier. Um, the rest, uh, continue on with the AFC South. Uh, the Jags and Trevor Lawrence uh, travel to the Colts. Uh, they were debuting their seventh QB in the last seven years. Anthony Richardson showed up in the pretty fancy green Short pants suit, uh, looking all fly. Uh, played pretty damn good, but did get injured uh, in his debut. Um, Trevor Lawrence looked great. Uh, Calvin Ridley returned from the suspension uh, for gambling. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, really phenomenal game. Eight catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. He was missing for 686 days, and he's back. Um, very, very good pickup for the Jags. I'm glad he was able to come in and have such a good performance to begin with and uh, a nice performance by uh, the Jags all around. Yeah, well, this was a game that they should have won and they did, yeah. right? Um, I have a sneaking suspicion. This is, what I guess, my hot take. I think Calvin Ridley is going to have a huge year this year. Yeah. 
I, I, I absolutely think he's going to have a massive year this year. He's got a great young quarterback passing the ball. Like, I think he's going to have a, a big year. Again, like you said, eight receptions, 101 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Zay Jones, five receptions, 55 yards and a touchdown. And then Etienne Jr., 18 carries, 77 yards and one touchdown. Jags got a great offense. Yeah. They got weapons on that side of the ball. Um, I think they're going to be a problem for most teams going forward. And uh, hopefully with uh, with Richardson, he gets over. I believe he left the game with a bone bruise. Don't know how long that can take for him to come back onto the field to play. Hopefully he's not delayed too long. Yeah, uh, let's hope. Um, they really miss Jonathan Taylor, obviously. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the guy that they used to replace him, Dean Jackson, no running room at all. No, just not the ability maybe to get the running room. Uh, 13 carries, 14 yards. Not bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I don't think he was used the same way that the Ravens used their guy. Uh, 13 carries, 14 yards. Your running game is done after that, and you're relying on your rookie quarterback. Uh, Michael Pittman had a good day, but uh, yeah, Indy's going to struggle. Um, you know, usually when you bring in a rookie quarterback, you're going to struggle, but get Jonathan Taylor paid, get him back. Like, what the hell are you doing? This is another example of a complete mismanagement and brutal. And, uh, Dean Jackson, um, you're not going to have an NFL job too long. Uh, if you're getting a yard a carry, uh, it's not a good performance. No, no, it's, it's not a, it's not a good performance at all, but the Colts did have a guy that they could rely on to literally carry their offense. Yeah. But you know what they said? They said, you don't deserve the money. You know what? We're better off without you. And we're going to prove it. Yeah, you did. The first game, you lost. I don't know how the second and third game is going to be, but it's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, luckily, they get a patty cake. Houston uh, coming up on Sunday, as we mentioned earlier. So, uh, yeah. Uh, if Richardson comes back, uh, they they have a good chance to get the first victory uh, after uh, constantly trying after Andrew Luck's retirement, after constantly trying to bring in old veteran quarterbacks, they finally uh, just st stopped that experiment. And now they're going for the rookie and we'll see, but without Jonathan Taylor, this team sunk for sure. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, Jags hosted chiefs in the early window Sunday. And um, yeah, that is the NFL story. Uh, man, we are, uh, yeah, this has been taking a long time, but um, that was necessary, I guess, uh, to cover week one of the NFL. Super excited about week two and uh, finishing this Monday nighter when we when we can, uh, yeah, finish this off. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to the seeing the Monday nighter for sure. Um, and obviously the first week, yeah, it's going to take that long because every, everybody's playing the game. Everybody's playing. All your, all your teams are playing, so and and that's the great thing about it. Yeah, love it. Okay, let's turn to the USC. We're gonna have to fly through it, but let's t talk about it. As I mentioned earlier, off the top, a very dark time in the UFC. A very dark time. This is this is uh, tough. Um, we've got Sean Strickland as a champion in the UFC. We've got Sean. O'Malley as a champion in the UFC. We've got three belts that are vacant. We've got just a lot of turmoil. And I just 
I am sad. This the UFC is uh, something that I can rely on every Saturday to give me some pleasure, give me some enjoyment. And we're seeing an emergence of complete idiots taking belts. We're seeing belts sit empty. We're seeing legends lose their belts. We're seeing no dominant champions anymore. Alexander Volkanovsky is the only dominant champion that's held many title defenses in the whole UFC right now. Uh, oh my God. Could my favorite sport and my favorite organization of my favorite sport be in this dark of a time? How long is this going to last? I'm feeling so friggin' sad. This is terrible, man. This is terrible. It might be for a while. You know what? But like, you know, throughout all this chaos, hopefully we're going to see some great fights. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully that's the trade-off that we're going to see some great wars and some great battles coming up uh, and some great matchups coming up as well. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do want to say post-fight after Strickland's win, the one thing about Dana White is he is an open book. And especially when things don't go his way, he's most certainly an open book. Yeah. The one thing that was I noticed and my friend noticed was that Sean Strickland wins. Does Dana give him any praise whatsoever? No, he does not. Only thing that he actually said was, it just wasn't Adesanya's night. Adesanya this, Adesanya that, Adesanya that. Never a mention of the new champion whatsoever no. came out of his mouth, which I thought, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that guy pissing you off because like sometimes you piss me off. So now you got to deal with that dude. Yeah. Now you're dealing with that dude for who knows how long. So Dana, good luck. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> Do you think Dana is good? Could be mad at, um, at Sean Shelby and Hunter Campbell, the matchmakers. Do you think that uh, he could, he, he would be angry at them for even, given somebody like Strickland a chance who didn't really deserve a chance, uh, you know, just had to kind of fill in. Uh, but you know, this, this is tough. I don't think, you know, seeing Sean Strickland as the champion really represents the UFC well in any, in any regard, it's just, it's not a good look. Every champ is the face of the UFC. Yeah. Right. Every champ is. Yeah. Well, that's where the UFC is right now. Sean Strickland, now face of the face of the company. I don't, I don't know if you ever wanted that to happen, but it's too late now, and now you got to deal with it. That's your reality. Yeah. That's what you got to deal with. You had plenty of other faces. Some of them you kind of ran off, like Demetrius Johnson, you know, that GSP. Hey, Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou. You ran these guys out, you know, like who. For some, to a certain uh, respect, that's what you did. Yeah. So sometimes I think karma is a thing. Maybe this is what you deserve. Yeah, you deserve that guy as your champion. Well, speaking of Dana White, in that post-fight press conference, um, you're right. He didn't uh, mention Strickland at all, except to say that um, he thinks uh, Adesanya rematch is uh, a must. They just got to run this back. Um, do you think? That's what they do. Do you think that's what should be done? I think that's an absolute mistake. It's like, why? Right. Like, honestly, like, at, for me as a fan, I already saw what how, what that looked like. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. So 
as a fan, I don't want to see it. Right. Doesn't interest me at all. Not at all. Like it doesn't interest me at all. What does interest me, fight that they should make. Imagine this: Sean Strickland versus Kazmet Chimaev. Mm-hmm. That's a fight that they should make because if they want to make sure that this guy has the shortest reign possible, put that guy in there. Then, yeah, let him fight Strickland and see what's up. Right. Well. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is being uh, helped off the field. Uh, oh, no. Jesus. is injured. Uh, looks like he was limping. I think it was his left leg that he was nursing. Um, I don't know exactly what happened, but uh, it's less than 10 minutes into the game for the game, and uh, he is being uh, taken to the locker room. And that was the jet season. Well, you know Jesus what? <laughs> amazing. I'm amazing. Oh. I saw him get buried. Uh I saw him get buried earlier in a sack, but uh I don't know if that's what caused the injury because I think there was a play, at least a one play after that for sure. But no, uh, anyway, uh yeah, we'll get some update for you hopefully before the end of this. So crazy. Yeah, crazy. Um yeah, so yeah, that that's a good call. I think that if it's not an immediate rematch, I think Drikus Duplessis is the guy that was supposed to be in this fight. He said yeah. he wasn't ready um, because he was only two months out from that war he had against Whitaker. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think he's kind of next. But yeah. they were touting it as Duplessis against Adesanya because there was the African bullshit thing that they were talking about. So I don't know if that's in the cards, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, What do you think happened with, first of all, what do you think happened with Adesanya? What happened? What, what led to that performance? I think what happened personally was this. I don't think he respected the pressure that Strickland would put on him. Because And also, too, he didn't have a plan B to make Strickland go backwards. That's the one thing that I noticed throughout the entirety of that fight. He never made him back off. He never made him go backwards. Never happened within the entirety of those five rounds. That has to change. He's got to figure out something where he's got to step off to the side or circle in a certain way come towards him and then slip a punch. But he needs to figure out a way to make that guy go backwards. Because if he doesn't do that, he's going to have the same fight again. It's going to be the same deal again. Why why weren't a lot of the other top middleweights able to employ this strategy and and pull off the the victories? He's he's made many of the top middleweights in the world look, you know, fairly ordinary. And guys that were tougher, faster – better at most aspects of MMA than Sean Strickland was. So, uh, you know, to see Adesanya dominate the rest of the division and then face face Sean Strickland, who is limited in his abilities, uh, get beat and in a dominating fashion, this, it it was mind blowing. It was really weird to, to see this performance from Adesanya and to see him get beat by a guy that's way less skilled than him. Yeah. Well, and it also, too, uses way less weapons. But at the same time, he, Sean Strickland, 
humbled himself, went to the guy that knocked him out, yeah, correct. trained with him, yeah. and then possibly got some tips on what he should do if he were to ever face is like to ever face Adesanya, right? Yeah, and I think he incorporated that, yeah. and also too the tools that Sean Strickland has and he uses, he uses at a master class level, right? The master class level, right? Yeah, and especially that Philly shell, the defensive thing that he does with the shoulder, the shoulder roll, and all that sort of stuff. Nobody else does that, right? In the UFC, nobody right. else does that. And for for Adesanya to finally see that and then deal with it, that was probably something that he's never had to encounter, and and then a puzzle that he clearly couldn't figure out because he's usually super accurate. He wasn't accurate in that fight. Strickland made him miss a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that that's a very, very good point you make about him going uh, to Alex Pereira and, and fighting him, especially after Pereira dismantled him and, and kicked the crap out of him and made him look pretty bad uh, to be able to humble himself and go and, and learn from him, who's uh, Pereira's had, you know, had a victory over Adesanya. And, and uh, yeah, very, very, very smart. And, uh, yeah, whatever he picked up from him, uh, he employed a very smart, a very smart game plan and uh, utilized his skills and his strengths and, and is the champ. So we'll see what the USC uh, does next. Uh, Dana White wants a rematch. He usually doesn't, uh, you know, talk too much about matchmaking in those post-fight um, press conferences. So I was a bit surprised. But uh, Adesanya has been so busy, has been such a great champion. Um, Dana White has had nothing but praise for him for his entire career that I think he uh, really wanted to prop him up as much as he could. I, I think Adesanya needs some time away. I think after two losses in his last three fights, I think he needs some time away to regroup, to heal up, to, you know, figure out, you know, how he best keeps employing different, uh, you know, styles to, uh, you know, keep being on top. So he's the style bender and, and he's employed the same style in a lot of ways for a while. And I guess inevitably somebody catches up to you and has, mm -hmm. you know, two fighters have in the last three fights. So, um, yeah, I don't want to see a rematch, but I don't want to see uh, Sean Strickland, the champion for long. So I'd like somebody to come in and take him off the uh, <laughs> take the belt off of him. I, I just want to flip through or, or just blast through the USC champions right now. And, and it's, it's weird, man. It is weird. Um, yes. We've got uh, the flyweight division, Alex Pantoja, uh, the bantamweight, Sean O'Malley, featherweight Volkanovsky, the only dominant champion currently uh, lightweight Islam Makachev, new champ, Leon Edwards, new champ in the welterweight division, uh, strong Sean and, in the middle, we got a vacant title and a light heavy and heavy with John Jones, uh, dominant in another division, not this division. Uh, and then we got the women's, we've got the strawweight Zhang Wei Li, uh, the flyweight Alexa Grosso, who's this coming weekend fighting yep. Valentina Shevchenko, uh, two vacant belts in the Bantam and Feather because Amanda Nunes is retired. So, um, yeah, like wow, what a weird, bizarre year! Like you know we 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 saw some upsets recently uh you know nobody thought valentina would be beat by grosco grosso nobody thought that leon would upset usman um yes. you know this is weird but uh 
this is uh, a very weird, weird time for the UFC. And, and hopefully we can get some dominant champions back because I miss it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I miss the dominant champion too. But I sometimes with change come good things, you know. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm optimistic that we're going to see some great fights coming up, okay. right? Because of the fact that we don't have that dominant champion where you just go, wow, this, that, that's a blowout. Right now, it's just like, I don't know. Challenger has a chance. He's got a real, real shot at beating the uh, beating the yeah. champ. So I'm okay with it. It happens. It's not always going to be dominant. And then also, too, champions fall eventually. Yeah. Except if you're John Jones, then it's just you sabotage yourself. <laughs> That's, yeah, good point. That's true. Um, I remember when Michael Bisping won the belt finally, uh, knocked out Luke Rockhold, and um, suddenly guys were coming out of the woodwork calling for a shot. And it was like, oh my God, every guy, it didn't matter what weight class. Oh fuck! I I think I can get a belt now. Holy shit! I, I want Bisping. I want Bisping. And and the UFC finally said, uh, okay, we'll give Dan Henderson a shot just for you to exact revenge on that brutal KO. But then, <laughs> who does emerge but George Saint Pierre? Four four and a half years retired. Uh, yeah. He's like, hey, I can win a belt in a better <laughs> division. Okay, another division. All right. Uh, this is how I'm sort of seeing Strong Strickland. I think Dana White. Sean Shelby, Hunter Campbell's phones are ringing off the hook right now. Oh, Everybody yeah. and his dog, even guys that have been retired for four or five years are like, okay, give me a shot. Give me a shot. Come on. I want him. I want him. I can get a belt. Give me a chance. <laughs> uh, I think everybody thinks they could beat Sean Strickland. And uh, it's going to be uh, hard to be a matchmaker, figure out what to do next. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Connor's already thrown his. his <laughs> he hat. has, he has, yeah. He's oh, like, I can get there. I can get up to 85. Yeah, yeah, no I problem. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, like you said, yeah, Connor's thrown his. Connor's asks for it. He really has. Yeah, no, of course, of course, everybody wants a piece, but you know, after seeing this is by far and away, by far in a way, the best version of Sean Strickland we've ever seen. Sure. Like he, he was with like. Even with the fact that he beat Jared Cannonier, he's way better than that guy. That version of Sean Strickland, way better than that. So, yes, you whoever gets that shot, all right, be careful what you wish for, man, because there's no guarantee that you're going to beat that dude now. And especially when yeah. they always say once a guy gets the belt, that their, their efficiency and, like, just their belief in themselves rises by quite a considerable bit. Yeah. Now that guy is – he has all the belief and confidence in the world because in his own words, post-fight, um, Izzy's a legend and he took down a legend. Yeah. And I will say this, I'll, I'll give Sean Strickland this, he had a great message to say after his win. It was a great messaging, didn't actually say something completely asinine or ridiculous. So I'll give him that. Yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah th I've heard a lot of people say that's, you know, after that went, oh, this is why this is the greatest sport in the world, because you just never know, you know, yeah. you, there can be guys winning, you know, that there is no way, you know, like seven to one underdogs like this, uh, yeah. you know, just blows people mi people's minds. And, uh, you know, we've seen some crazy upsets. And, um, you yeah, know, this one, 
yeah, I don't, I don't sort of lean in that same direction that people are talking about, but um, yeah, it, it is bizarre that um, this has happened. And, and you kind of said, yeah, just imagine, just imagine. <laughs> and uh, it, it has taken place. Um UFC champions, uh, when they've lost and they've been given an immediate rematch in the history of the UFC are four wins, 11 losses. Four wins, 11 losses. Uh, Adesanya is one of those wins um, against uh, Pereira. Um, we've got Amanda Nunes. She was able to get Juliana Pena. Uh, Davison Figueredo was able to get the belt from Brandon Moreno on their second uh, battle. And Randy Couture back way back four and 11. Uh, those are some pretty crazy stats. When I saw that, I was blown away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not good. No. It's not good. And so for me, that's why another reason why I don't want to see the rematch. <laughs> I don't want to see it. Like no. I, I'm just, I'm just not interested. Plus, on top of the fact that Adesanya already had a rematch, he got he got it, and and to his credit, he won. Yeah. But does he deserve yet another one immediately again? You know, like so because there's no there's that's the thing with the UFC. There's really no rhyme or reason to whoever gets a shot. No. It's kind of like whoever Dana White says, okay, let's do it that way. Yeah. All right, because Sean Shelby. And those guys, they do the matchmaking, but it still has to go through the bosses okay. Sure. So sure. he okayed the fight. Yeah. So if he's got anybody to blame, just blame yourself. Yeah. Should put somebody else in there instead of Sean Strick. Sorry, buddy. That's on you. <laughs> yeah, that's on you. Um, okay, let's blast through the rest of the uh card. Um mismatching the uh co-main event. Uh, didn't like the matchup. Alexander Volkov coming in. Uh, on a heater, Taif Tuavasa on a losing streak. Um, uh, Volkov's just too big, too tough, too strong. Um, you know, when you're pumping steroids from the Russian system, you know you're you're gonna be able to beat a guy that does shoeies for a living, and uh, you know, quite uh, quite pudgy around the middle. Uh, this, you know, two of us is fun. He knocks people out when he lands, but uh, man, the, the height advantage, the reach advantage, like there was just, this was a bad matchup and I felt bad for two of us. Uh, Volkov had this and, and uh, you know, just was going to beat him down and, and two, you know, he knew it too. Uh, <laughs> knew it too. Uh, it's just, yeah, it was rough. I didn't like the matchup, and uh, you know this was inevitably going to happen. Yeah, well, Tuivasa, his game plan was like, okay, I'm just going to try to take away one of his weapons with his lead leg, and he he chopped at that, chopped it, he chopped at it down. Sure. But here's the problem: Volkov's a freaking monster. He's a giant in <laughs> He's there. Huge. Like, just, like you forget how big he is. Like yeah. when I'm seeing him in there, and I'm like, ah, that's just it's not fair. He's it's not even right. Like you know, like. Just a huge monster. And he was able to put together his combos fluidly. And then once he got him down to the ground, um, it was hard for two of us to get up. And then in the second round where he got him down and he did that very cool, very rarely seen Ezekiel choke. Yeah, and then it was just like, oh, yeah, okay. It's 
he can't get up and he's he's going to go to sleep he's gone yeah yeah no that's uh very uh rarely used because it's super hard technique to land and to uh you know get a guy to submit to it it's it's super tough and but yeah he's massive he is one big human being uh they make him big in russia uh you know steroids in the food steroids in your milk steroids in your water uh, you know you're gonna have huge human beings uh his nickname is perfect because we remember rocky facing that big bad russian uh coming yeah. into the ring and looking up at him holy crap i gotta fight this guy um but yeah two of us must have had the same feeling as sylvester stallone did meeting drago in there and um yeah this was a yeah, a big bad bad beat down and yeah it's only the what third ezekiel choke finish in the usc history so yeah. um not uh utilized much but uh yeah too tough of a guy for two of us uh, um okay uh manel cop uh came in uh a lot of hype he was supposed to feat, uh, fight kaikor of france uh france got injured so they brought in this um uh, USC debut from Felipe de Santos and um, short notice uh, cop was uh, great. Uh, pretty much. He had this fight uh, throughout the entire fight um, was wanted to be the heel of the weekend. For some reason, got into a big fight with uh, the uh, Australian crowd, especially with Kai Kara France, who was cage side uh, yeah. called his shot after. Um, he got uh, this fight ended up getting 50k for both guys fight of the night um, a pretty great performance for DeSantos but um, unfortunately uh, cop was a bit better on the evening oh yeah um, cop his counters were crisp his movement was fantastic but I will say this Dos Santos made a great showing of himself yeah. against the number 10 ranked guy yeah. like him cop I had to give him his respect because that dude was there to throw down and to fight him. And he fought him all three rounds. Yeah. All I was, I was impressed. Uh, mm -hmm. he was, he was uh, unsuccessful in his takedown attempts. That was a big factor over five in his takedown yeah. defense. He briefly rocked cop and, uh, cop just immediately had some really good combos coming back. I love this division. And, you know, you and I've said this many times, Flyweights are super fun, very exciting, very fast, crisp punches, really good kicks, a lot of action. It, it, it was a really, really fun fight. And uh, yeah, uh, Felipe DeSantos deserves a, a ton of credit for coming in on short notice and and putting on a, a really good display. And, and I'm glad he got 50 extra K uh, to the bank account for coming in and uh, yeah, putting on the, the best fight of the night. Yeah, yeah, put on a show, and yeah, he definitely deserved that. He deserved and earned that 50K for sure. Uh, and okay, the other uh, 50K that was handed out was uh, Sean Strickland got one, and uh, Justin Toffup got uh, 50K for his uh, knockout. Uh, a bam, 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 <laughs> KO. Uh, Mark Hunt is his hero. Uh, Ty Tuavasa is uh, one of his twins. Uh, he he comes in and he is a bad bad man. Uh, he just dismantled Austin Lane. An incredible left hook that dropped him, and then he he went 
Should I walk off? No. Wham, wham, wham. (laughs) Six shots on the ground to make sure Austin Lane was going to sleep and he was getting his 50K, and he did. And uh, it was uh, very much beloved by the uh, Aussie crowd. I love the fact that once he got the knockdown of Lane, he sauntered over to him. I, I call it the he sauntered over to him. He's like, okay, the fight's over. But since he's not going to stop the fight, clearly, I'm just going to make him go to sleep now. <laughs> and like he just because he took his time and he yeah. almost crouched down over top of him and just like, okay, here comes the first one. <laughs> yeah, like, that oh. was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, such a delayed reaction because he was yeah. like his his initial reaction is, yeah, walk just off, walk I got away. it. And then he's like, oh, no, last time they never gave me 50K for this. I guess I got to beat him. So I'll saunter over, make sure he's out. (laughs) Wham, wham. Huge shots, too. Just brutal. Uh, This was a rematch that was uh, ended in June the 24th of this year, 29 seconds in from an eye poke. And they got an eye poke in the first minute again. It was like, are you kidding me? Holy crap, how could this happen again? I was begging and pleading and and praying that uh, he'd be able to continue. Uh, Luckily, he was, and uh, it didn't end the same way. But holy crap, that was so weird that uh, it happened again right away. And and, uh, yeah, but uh, thankfully, they were able to continue this fight, and and Toffa was able to get the big win. Uh, I think that's part of the reason why he did the slow saunter. He didn't do the walk-off, which is just like, you poke me in the eye again, so I'm just going to make sure you go to sleep for a while. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was funny, yeah. Um, Toffa uh, trains at the uh, City Kickboxing in, in Auckland, New Zealand. Seven fighters on this card from that gym. Uh, there is a lot of animosity between Australia and New Zealand, uh, especially in the sporting world. And uh, it's kind of like Canada, US. You know, we finally beat you guys in basketball. We kick your ass in hockey. They beat us in baseball, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's that way in in that part of the world. And so I was quite surprised that the UFC put so many Aussies from this same gym in on this card but um uh there are a lot of kiwis that live there so i don't know i don't know how a lot of the aussies felt about this but um good to see such a such a massive uh contingent coming from that gym top guys guys that have had belts that uh you know have been champions but um yeah seven guys from that city kickboxing on this card yeah the seven guys um i was just going to mention two one of those guys is the Oldberg, right? Yeah. Yeah, Oldberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because um, he did, he he was actually really good in his fight against oh, yeah. Jump. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Definitely. Yeah. They, uh, they, they had a lot of great performances from their guys. I think they ended up the night like three and four out of those seven guys. But, yeah. but Oldberg, yeah, he, he had an incredible performance. Uh, I liked the, the hometown boy, Tyson Pedro. Uh, he's from Sydney, Australia. Uh, he came in and uh, get, gets uh, gets a huge win. Um, he's just a very newcomer to that city kickboxing, but 
um, really employing the great style that they employ and, and was able to get uh, his big win over um, the Swedish guy, Anton Turkic. Yeah, yeah. He he basically, he, he, he hit him, he hurt him, the one-two, then he hit him again with the left and the right, and then he... <laughs> Then he went down after a two punch combo. It was it was just he kept shaking the man's brain. It was like bat, and then it was like uh oh, pop up, pop up, pop up, and then it was done. And you know, like I, Pedro was was very it was a very dominant win. Looked great, dominant win, and unfortunately Turkoj didn't stand a chance. <laughs> yeah. got blown out. The, the the thing that I kept thinking about all weekend was how hilarious it was when Pedro took the mic and he said. Um, this guy's nickname was the Pleasure Man, and the whole entire week I kept thinking, should I bring him home to the wife? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, no, I decided to beat him up, knock him out, and leave him on the mat. So uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty uh, pretty hilarious the way he talked about him. And uh, yeah, the Pleasure Man, what a weird uh, MMA nickname, not something that we hear of much. Uh, Olberg, yeah, you mentioned Olberg. Uh, Great uh, rear naked choke when um, Herb Dean wasn't able to see the tap. Uh, yeah. Luckily, it went to it went uh, it, the, the round finished time wise and yeah. uh, it was going to go to a decision. Luckily, Mark Goddard and Herb Dean went over, looked at a replay, mm-hmm. and where Herb was and where the tap happened was on the other side of his body. And uh, so Olberg was able to get the uh, submission finish. Um, Olberg looked great against a, a very tough South Korean and Daun Jung. Uh, I I thought it was a great performance from Olberg. And um, yeah, nice to see him get it. 4.49 was the official time of the submission. Great uh, that they use replay in a smart way and got it, got it done, uh, got it uh, the done correctly yeah they, they got the right call the um right. i i was i was as i was watching him sink in that rear naked i'm like i wonder if he tapped that's that i actually had that question because i couldn't see the other side of him where his other hand was so i wasn't sure right yeah. and I, I i did appreciate the fact that Olberg was like all right i'm pretty sure i felt him tap but he did not let go of uh of the submission until you know, like the end of the round. So, yeah, I'm glad that they caught it. I am watching the play that took Aaron Rodgers off the field. Uh, I think it's Leonard Floyd uh, tackled him, sacked him. Uh, he went down awkwardly. He was uh, just walking. Uh, he just got wheeled in on a cart. Um, he got he had four snaps over one. Uh, only on one drive, so um, yeah. Hopefully, the Aaron Rodgers experiment isn't over that quick. I guess he's probably going in for some testing and see what's wrong. It didn't look brutal. Uh, just looked no. like he was kind of being twisted and and thrown to the ground. But um, man, I guess uh, New York Jets fans will be uh praying and and uh, hoping that uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't uh, totally hurt. Um, he took the mic and called out Dominic Reyes. Um, we'll see, uh, if that's something they do. He has the longest active win streak in the division at five. So, um, pretty impressive. And, um, 
a very good fight for your feature prelim. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Great, great fight. Great fight. Um, okay. We do have to blast along. Do you want to make mention of anything else on the prelims? Uh, is there any that uh, you really need to make mention of? Um, only one. Okay. Only one. Uh, the Jack Jenkins versus Mariscal. Uh, um, that was tough. Uh, oh, dude. Like, that's a bad injury. That is just a horrible injury. Fuck. Like, just for the fight to end like that, and the fact that he did the judo throw, but he tried to post on his right arm, and then you just see his, his arm do something real funky. <laughs> Not quite right. Jeez, and like, and then so it was a severe, I don't know if he broke it, but it's a severe dislocation of his elbow, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised if it, there wasn't a break there because it folded totally the wrong way. No, it was disgusting. Yeah. And... <laughs> And unfortunately, Mariscal didn't really see it, so he fed him a couple of shots while the guy's like, oh, I'm not fighting back. I'm I done. can't fight anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Like, yeah, you can't uh, put your stiff arm out like that, uh, especially when you're being twisted and thrown down. Like, yeah, uh, yeah that's a recipe you, for disaster. got to keep that close to your body, man, because they, well, that will happen to you. Daniel and Cormier then, couldn't even watch the replay. He just almost puked uh, watching the first one. So yeah, it was a it was a nasty elbow nasty. injury. Where I'm, I didn't hear today uh, or this weekend uh, what you know what the results are, but I think he's going to be out for quite a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to be out for quite a, quite a while. Great win by Maristol, but let that be a lesson to some of the young ones. You get in judo throw like that, don't do that. No. That's not what you do. That was tough, yeah. Um, really tough to see John McDessie, the Canadian, uh, come out on the losing end of the scorecards. I had him winning two rounds to one. Uh, it uh, amazingly enough went uh, the other way to Jamie Malarkey. Um, McDessie looked so shocked when the results were uh, announced. He just kept like going, "Really? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?" and and he's been around the UFC for uh, forever. He's got 20 UFC fights. He's been around for, I think, like 13 years. And yeah. uh, he's had some bad luck uh, before. And this was unfortunate. I think they got this wrong on the scorecard. It was a close one. It was close. Um, I I kind of thought it could have gone either way myself, personally. and I And I definitely thought it should have been a split decision. But um, clearly the judges didn't see it the way I see it. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Blood Diamond, I think he should be cut. Uh, he's not. Um, he shouldn't be in the UFC. He's not good enough. 0-3 in his UFC career. Um, he, uh, yeah, he, he looked pretty rough. Um, I, I don't think he's skilled enough. And he took a, the loss early um yeah other than that uh yeah um let's move on to this coming week's card uh we've, we're back to vegas after three weeks away uh it's alexa grosso valentina shevchenko two uh their first fight was march the fourth a submission win by grosso in the fourth round uh late in the fourth round uh grosso's on a five fight win streak Valentina had a nine fight win streak in this division uh, before this loss. Um, as I said earlier, 
uh, immediate rematches. Champs are only four and 11. Um, do we see uh, her pull off uh, the fifth win or um, do we see Grasso move on now and uh, dominate this division? I think if anybody can pull off the fifth win, it would be Shevchenko. I, I believe that she would definitely have a solid game plan of attack for Grasso. Yeah. And any sort of mistakes that she made in the first fight, she's going to shore up and not do in the second fight. Yeah. So I Shevchenko, as you know, is one of my favorite fighters. Mm-hmm. I support her. I, 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 and I believe in her. So I, I think this is going to be one heck of a battle, but I believe she's going to come out on top of this one. Yeah, I know you you support her a ton. Uh, we mentioned we talked about earlier about maybe uh, Adesanya, um, you know, the style bender not changing his style. Maybe after you know victory after victory, uh, Shevchenko utilizing the same style. Uh, others were able to watch and see some tendencies they were able to beat. Um, she had a tough, tough, tough fight against Talia Santos, who I actually thought won. Uh, that last fight and it went to a split decision uh santos ended up losing in june you see 275 uh and i think there was chinks in the armor showing uh shevchenko is one of the greatest female fighters of all time but i think grasso uh was able to figure out how to beat her we'll see what shevchenko uh, brings to the table different this time and uh yeah it should be a great battle i don't know i'm leaning more towards grasso uh, getting this victory and uh, solidifying her as the champ. It's going to be close. Yeah. It's going to be close. It's going to be close for sure. Um, Kevin Holland, uh, the trailblazer, back at it uh, off two straight wins. Um, he beat uh, Michael Chiesa with a Darce choke and uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio with a knockout. Uh, last fight was only in July. Um, Jack Della Madalena is on a 15-fight win streak. Uh, he started his MMA career 0-2 and then won 15 straight. Um, his last win wasn't that impressive, though. Just a split decision win over Basil Hafez in July. He is 5-0 in the UFC, though, and uh, I expect this to be a great fight. I think this is going to be a banger. I fight think of the this night. In my fight of the night. Yeah. 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 By far and away, fight of the night. For we, sure. We've got a couple Canadians on the card. Kyle Nelson, fresh off his beating Blake Builder here in Vancouver, UFC 289, June the 10th. Uh, he's fighting Fernando El Valiente Padilla, who's on a two-fight win streak. He's got four KOs, eight submissions, and his last fight was a win over Julian Arosa in April. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Kyle Nelson. Uh, he was one of the first fights of the night in Vancouver and uh, kicked it off well. I, I really like seeing him fight, and I, I think this should be a great battle. I think it's going to be a great battle. I really like his style and the way that he attacks his uh, opponent. It's going to be a good fight. Uh, the other Canadian is uh, Lupi Lupita Godinez. Uh, she has two straight wins. Um, she beat uh, Emily Ducati in May. And, uh, she was supposed to fight Sam Hughes, who had to pull out. She's now fighting Elise Reed, who's coming in off a win over Jin Yu Fry in June. Um, love the way Loopy fights and uh, hope uh, the best for her. I hope she has a, a phenomenal, phenomenal night. Yeah, I, I think she will. She probably use her best attributes. I think she might be taking Elise Reed to the ground, uh, make it into a more of a wrestling match for this particular fight. 
Um, one other combat story I wanted to mention. Uh, Gamebred Jorge Masvidal has been, been putting on uh, fight cards. Um, he had Gamebred 5 bare knuckle uh, over the weekend. Um, Junior Dos Santos and Fericio Verdum were the main event. Um, brutal. One of the worst fights I've ever seen in my entire life. It was brutal. So bad. Uh, yeah. So bad. It was like watching two uncles fight at a barbecue, man. It was brutal. Like these guys were world-class heavyweight champions of the world. And uh, oh my God, they were both on TRT like crazy, but they just didn't do anything. Like it was just brutal. Uh, unreal. So bad. That was just embarrassing. I, I was shocked at how ugly of a fight it was. It was one of the worst fights I've ever had to witness. And it was the main event. It was so bad. It was so bad. Well, both of them are in their 40s, right? Yeah. Yeah. That would be why. Regardless of TRT and stuff. There has to be a, a certain time in your head where you go, I can't do this anymore. And if I do do this, it's not going to look very good. No, yeah. Yeah, it was too bad. I love Jorge and I, I, I want his cards to do well. Uh, there was a couple okay fights on the card, mostly decisions. Uh, there wasn't, they weren't all, um, they weren't, they weren't all like stand up bare knuckles. There was some MMA fights. There was a submission in the, of the night. And anyway, it, it was, uh, I think he's, he's trying to have some uh, bare knuckles, some MMA, some kickboxing, even Muay Thai. I think he's mixing in a bunch of different disciplines on some of his cards, but um, yeah, I mean, he's had some really incredible uh, former USC fighters on here, but these two guys, uh, yeah, it's time to hang them up, guys. I, I was disappointed in it. Not good at all. Um, one last note, uh, huge news in the world of soccer. Um, Paul Pogba, the French midfielder, once considered one of the top midfielders in the game, uh, tested positive for uh, elevated levels of testosterone from his drug test this past weekend or this week. Um, he faces a four-year ban. Uh, the he, he got signed to, uh, to Juventus from Man U uh, last year, has only been able to suit up for them for six games, had to pull out of the World Cup, has had an ongoing battle with uh, knee injuries, and um, I think he was utilizing this to recover from his injuries and um, – this has been really tough to see, uh, you know, a guy that was once one of the best in the world uh, might uh, be leaving the game in disgrace like this. And, and um, yeah, this is something that I hope can eventually can be figured out where they can utilize drugs like this for recovery, um, but not for performance enhancing. I, I hope that um, there's a way for guys you know, Conor McGregor, we talked at length about trying to do the same thing, recover with some kind of uh, testosterone steroids or whatever it is. Um, you know, this is tough to see a guy uh, really in disgrace right now, uh, going through a tough time in his life. Uh, that sucks, first off, number one. Number two, I don't know what the I don't know what the answer would be for for that particular question, because. He should be doing that. And especially if it's doctor prescribed, yeah. then what was he supposed to do if his doctor prescribed it? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, does he, 
does that mean he would actually have to just step away from his sport for a year, do his rehab, take what he needs to take, and then go back into the testing pool once he's ready to come back to, to play? Probably should have been, yeah, I guess so. Uh, the other thing that he's been going through is uh, police are doing a huge investigation. He's been part of a big extortion plot. Um, some uh, organized crime has been trying to extort a ton of money from him and his family. And uh, there's been a lot of stories in the past few months about uh, this ongoing and police investigation that uh, had to be conducted because of the this brutal thing that's been going on with him. And then, um, you know, this happened. So uh, I feel sorry for the guy. I uh, loved watching him play. He was one of the most exciting uh, soccer players I've ever witnessed. And uh, we were able to see, you know, one of those guys come over to MLS and and just be adored. And, and uh, you know, I wish uh, he could have gone out in a better way. I hope, uh, you know, his second um, testing goes well and they, they made a mistake or there's an explanation and he doesn't faces four-year ban because uh, i guess his career's um basically done if it if it's four years and and uh it's a tough way to see a guy that was so loved and respected uh, have this tough of a go and uh a tough way to you know end such a great career yeah that that would suck but the quite my question would be would his career just end there and could he just come over to mls Maybe. Or does it mean that he wouldn't be able to play soccer professionally anywhere on the planet? I wonder. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. That's a very good question. I'll try to find the the answers and I'll, I'll make mention of it next week. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because then if it, if it just happens that, Oh, unfortunately I can't play here, but I could go to the MLS and make a ton of money anyways. So you know what? I'm just going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. True enough. That's yeah. true. Okay, man. Well, this was a lengthy podcast uh, like last week, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's a very close game, 10-3 right now for Buffalo. But uh, now that they got to go to uh, Zach Wilson and Mike White again, uh, might be a little tougher for the Jets to hang with the Bills. But um, yeah, thanks for this uh, fun, fun podcast, fun weekend. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can find Another great event. We can get you to bust out that suit again, and you can uh, leave the night with a uh, black book full of females' numbers. That would be nice. That would be nice. Like I, I would really appreciate that. I really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let's try to pick, figure it out. We'll put our heads together. Have a great week ahead. Keep in touch. Uh, good to see you the other day, uh, even if it was briefly. But uh, really nice to see you. Let's, uh, yeah, let's make make it happen soon this week. Uh, love to get together. Okay, you got it. We'll do. Okay, but cheers. Have a great night. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, wow, another another lengthy, lengthy podcast. But oh, we covered so much. And uh, week one, I guess we had to really get into tons of detail. Um, love you, as always. Can never forget to say that. Uh, love these two. Uh, there's my nephew Lee. And my niece, Evelyn, um, yeah, one of the main reasons why I do this podcast for my love of my family and friends and, um, yeah, love of sports. Um, geez, gives me so much joy and satisfaction and love. Had so many fun moments uh, this weekend, last weekend, last year, last decade, uh, my entire life. Um, sports is just really something that just constantly gives back to me and gives me happiness and joy and satisfaction and 
And uh, people that stick in as th- this long watching and listening to my podcast uh, must also love sports. And um, yeah, g- give it a shot if you're not. Uh, yeah, get it into your life. And if you have any questions, I'm your man. I am a walk-in encyclopedia that can really make sports fun. I've done it for many others, so I can do it for you. So love you lots. As I said, love to our uh, partners and sponsors. Want to thank uh, Anchor.fm, the easiest place to make a podcast. Uh, phenomenal at posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, an industry leader in technology, performance, and value. V350 stick is a must-have for them. Pampas and Possibilities, phenomenal at uh, sprucing up your home with West Coast vibes, making it look great. I recommend them highly. And Forever Living, the aloe vera company for health and beauty products. Uh, You can get them at discounted rates on our website. Just head over to completesportsmedia.com. Love you. Thanks for all the support. As always, take care of yourself. Have a phenomenal week ahead. Enjoy this Monday Night Football. And uh, the rest of the season, this is going to be fun. Let's pray that Aaron Rodgers didn't get uh, hurt and is out for very long. Uh, That would be brutal. But anyway, take care. Bye for now.